The Linux Action Show is created by Jupiter Broadcasting. It's sponsored by Ting. Go to last.ting.com to save off your first device or plan and DigitalOcean. Go over to digitalocean.com and use our promo code LASTDIGITAL and then you can spin up your own Linux rig for free. Welcome to the Linux Action Show, episode 398. My name is Chris. And my name is Noah. Hey, Noah, good morning to you. Happy Sunday. Yeah, happy Sunday. Good to be back. Good to see the internet and you. Yeah, good to see you. All right, well, coming up on this week's episode of the Linux Action Show, it's huge. It's so big. There's two other podcasts in front of us and one behind us with the oversized podcast signs that are just driving down the freeway warning you this show is too big. Coming up in a little bit, we have our 2016 predictions. It's an annual tradition here on the big show. But let me tell you something. It's not like those other places. We we are held accountable for these predictions. We will revisit these predictions and we may be requested to explain why they did or didn't come true. Are you ready for that challenge, Noah? I'm ready. <laughs> I don't know if I want to be held accountable for my predictions, but I'm ready to predict. That's right. And uh, also, we have uh, the news segment. As always, we'll be talking about Ian Murdoch and looking back at his contributions to open source. Google's making some big changes to Android. Some local news I'll tell you about. Also, you privacy freaks are going to be happy. There's a little present out there for you. Then we have an incredible feedback segment with emails, additional information, including information about our trip to scale. I'll tell you more about that here in just a moment as well. And a few other things coming up. And we're going to talk about format changes that are coming to the Linux Action Show, some of which you may have already noticed. So it is genuinely a large format show. Maybe you might call it oversized. But before all of that, Noah, do you know what we've got? Picks! We got picks! The picks! The picks, yeah. So uh, let's start with uh, our Runs Linux pick this week. You know, it is the first Runs Linux of 2016, so it's kind of neat that it actually comes right from Noah. Do you need to do any setup before I hit play? or? So we, <clears throat> a hotel that uh, I'm working with um, ended up getting bought out, and so uh, uh, started working with the, the new management team, and... Um, we're talking to them and, and figure out what, what, what they want. And one of the things that they're trying to do is cut some costs. And so they have this music system that costs like a couple hundred dollars a month to run. And really, yeah. And basically all it is, is, a, is, is a, a box that's connected to a little satellite dish thing that receives lobby music and, and then plays it over, you know, like the, in the pool area and down the hallways and stuff. And, and so, um, and he, he asked me, he said, can you think of a way that we could set this up where it could be local? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I mean, I can, we can put an amp in, you know, the amp's already there. I'm like, we can put in like, you know, an XM radio, we can put in whatever and just play. And he goes, well, I'd like my front desk staff to be able to control it. I'm like, well, okay, we could stream through the network and then you can control There's tons of options that way, but have a computer that's remotely controlling. He's like, yeah, really like the ability though, to be able to plug in like a thumb drive and, 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 and dump some USB files or, or, or play, uh, you know, a streaming site or stream series XM or whatever it is. And so I, I got to think and I said, all right, we'll come up with something. And so what we ended up, ended up doing was taking RCA balance. And if you're not familiar with a balance is it's a, it's a, it's a balanced to unbalanced device. And so you can take what would be an unbalanced device and balance it for a very long run. Because essentially what happens is if you try to take an RCA cable and run it 400 feet, what you would find is not only would you get, you know, like 10% of the signal by the time you get to the end of the cable, but it would start to act as a very large antenna. So you're going to start to pick up radio stations oh, and electric. I didn't know so you get a bus. Okay, okay. And so basically you want to keep that, that unbalanced run as short as possible. So the unbalanced one we have run we have is about three inches. And then from there it goes into cat five cable, which is, 
ridiculously inexpensive. And that's run all the way up to their control room that goes right next to the amp. There's another battle in there. And then it goes into the amp. Now on the side that's down at the front desk, we have a computer that runs. I'm going to guess Linux. Let's take Windows. Oh. Okay, Linux. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So, and, and so, and, and we installed Mix and it, you it was so tricky. a great because I found, I found Mix uh, too. And so we were playing with it. And then like later that day, actually, while I was still there, I think you were like, uh, you're like, yeah. hey, did you know that Mix 2 came out? I'm yeah. like, yes, yes, I did. And in fact, today I was working with it. Mm-hmm. I actually took a short little video to, to show you yeah. uh, what it was. Are you ready? I'll roll it. No, I'm here ready. we go. Okay. So what we have here is music playing from the front desk. And I'll show you what's powering it. It's kind of cool. Is this laptop running Linux. And then that's going to this audio interface. That audio interface is going to these RCA balance, which are running upstairs to the amp rack. So essentially what we have here is a Linux powered lobby music system. Huh. That's pretty neat, man. That is pretty neat. And you know, we're both big fans of mix itself too. And so mm-hmm. is that a, it was a laptop it was running off of, right? Yep. Yeah. I think it'll eventually at some point we'll probably get um, transitioned into an actual desktop. Um, But it was spare hardware that we had. So uh, that's what ended up being. But it works. I like it. I like it, Noah. All right. So uh, I will, uh, I will, uh, you know what? I will actually share that video if you would like to see that video with our live chat coming up in our app pick. Uh, How was, uh, how was your uh, holiday, Noah? Good. How about yours? I, we, we had a, we had a bit of a, uh, it was good. It was just, it was, it was very, very busy. I ended up, we, we have a client down in, in Fargo, which is about 70 miles South of Grand Forks. And they're really, we're really pushing to open a new store, um, in the new year. And so the end of December, we were just every day I was, I was working till like two, three in the morning. And then I had an hour drive back, of course. Uh, so I was getting home at like 4am. Um, and so yikes, dude. Day before, like uh, the day before, two days before Christmas was my, was my birthday, I ended up, I came back into Grand Forks, had dinner with a couple of people, and then went back to Fargo and worked till like 4 a.m. Then the 23rd, I worked most of the day and came back just long enough to buy the stuff that we needed for Christmas Eve dinner. And then the 24th, <laughs> I caught up on all the stuff downstairs and all the paperwork and logging. And, and so I, we actually get paid for all of this stuff while Sarah kind of haphazardly, who's by the way, is very, very pregnant, kind of worked on trying to get Christmas Eve dinner. And then we ate Christmas wow. Eve dinner and then I went back to work after that. That's so, rough. It was, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty busy, but it was fun. I, uh, I tried a new challenge this year. Do you remember on the last episode, I dropped a hint that I was going to ask you about driving in the snow and we talked yeah, about, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. So, um, I decided, uh, the, uh, my lady and I took the kids over to Leavenworth, which is a, a, a Bavarian town, uh, about two hours east, uh, on, on highway two. And it's okay. really cool. And it is legitimately Noah, the most snow I've ever been around in like a decade. And like, at some parts on the pass, the snow is up to the windows on the truck. That's how, that's how like, you know, it's, wow. it's really a lot of snow. And so I went yeah. over, <laughs> so I had my lady, the kids, we're all going over the pass, right? Four wheel drive, 30 miles per hour. But, uh, it worked out really great. We went over there and the kids had a blast. There was, 
uh, some really nice snow. Look at this uh, shot I took here of this uh, the icicles on this log cabin that we stayed in. Those yeah, were slick. It was a really good time, but I was like, so Noah, do you think I'm going to need chains? And you're like, no, yeah. no, you don't need chains at all. I'm like, are you sure? Because like, it's really slick, and they're closing the passes, and you're like, no, well, here's what you need to remember. Do you remember what you told me? <laughs> do you remember what you said? I, I, well, I would have told you to have good tires, and I would have remembered, to, and I would have told you that four-wheel drive does not mean four-wheel stop. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. The chains were more for stopping. So you scared me enough that I went and actually bought $130 worth of chains, put them okay. in the back of the truck, drove over the pass both ways. Going back, it was like a five-hour drive because I had the pass closed for a bit, which was crazy. But then ended up, didn't have to use the chains, so I took them back and they credited me. But yeah. There you go. There you go. You know what I call that? I call it a, a, a Noah's Walmart return special. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, discount tires, actually. Oh, yeah, 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 those guys are great. You yeah. could have told them. You'd have been like, you could have told we them. We did. And said, hey, you know no, what? That's I, actually- what I, I told them, so I'm gonna, just so you know, I said, I'm going to buy these, and if I don't use them, I'm going to bring them back to you uh, mm-hmm. uh, on the following week, and I'm going to return them. Is that okay with you? And they're yeah. like, yeah, that's okay. They, they don't care. Yeah. They, the guy, I, I bought tires from them like uh, a, a couple months ago, and um, I, I ran over a nail, and it <laughs> went into the sidewall, so it couldn't be repaired. And the guy's like, I'll bring it back. We'll give you a new one for free. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. This is, this is my fault. And he's like, yeah, we're really sorry to let you down like that. We'll get you a new tire. And I'm like, no, no, no. I ran over a nail. My, my, my fault. I, I can buy new tires. No, no, no. We're, we're really sorry that you had a problem with your tire. We'll give you new one. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Those guys are great. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a lot of fun, but here's the punchline. So I used my uh, Firefox backpack to uh, use for like my clothes, right? Because it's okay. like, it's my laptop bag, but I only needed to bring like, you know, stuff for a couple of days. And so I had most of my computer equipment in there, except my laptop and charger and mouse and stuff. Uh, uh-huh. But I had all of my thumb drives in there, and I even have, like, old Ubuntu CDs in there. It's, it's kind of ridiculous. Uh, and so I get to the destination we're going to, and we were sharing it. It was an Airbnb place that they had rented that we, they, they invited us over. And I got there, and they had iPhones. You know, they're all set up with the iPhones, Noah. But they had a Windows 8 laptop. And, you know, so they're okay. saying, so, hey, Chris, you know, we really like our iPhones. We've got this Windows 8 laptop. The guy's name is Bruce. Bruce really likes the laptop. Doesn't doesn't want to replace it with uh, Windows 10. Doesn't doesn't really like Windows 8 very much. It's having a lot of problems with there. Had the uh, Ubuntu Mate 1510 USB thumbstick in my bag. Gave it to him. He's been running it since Christmas. No problems. Loving it. No kidding. Yeah. Awesome. And so he's just keeping the same laptop. He's probably going to get a new battery for it, and he's good to mm-hmm. go. So there was a Linux conversion over the holidays, Noah. Nice. Yeah. There you nice. go. <laughs> All right, well, let me take a moment and tell everybody about DigitalOcean. Sponsors right here on the Linux Action Show. Use our promo code LASTDIGITAL, one word lowercase, to support the show and give yourself a $10 credit. DigitalOcean is a simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way to spin up your own Linux rig. Up in the cloud, they use Linux on all of their servers, SSDs for all of their drives, 40 gigabit E connections to the Internet, Tier 1 Internet, and KVM for the virtualizer. You can get started in less than 55 seconds. And pricing plans start only $5 a month. $5 a month. Not a day, not an hour, not per terabyte, $5 a month. And you're all in. You get 20 gigabyte SSD, 512 megabytes of RAM, a terabyte of transfer, and they have data center locations in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, London, Germany, and Toronto, which is pretty great. You can go hang out with Alan Jude. They have a great, simple interface, very intuitive and powerful. I love it. I've never seen virtualization managed better, not just on the web, in any application on the desktop, in the web, anywhere. I've never seen virtualization managed better. And the fact that it's all standards compliant, runs on top of Linux, and allows you to get HTML5 console access to your rig 
That is super sweet. DigitalOcean.com, they got one-click application deployments. They have tons of great distros to choose from, including FreeBSD. Including FreeBSD, but they got the Ubuntu's, Stables, and the Currents. CentOS, Debian, latest Fedora, Cento, or, I mean, sorry, CoreOS, and FreeBizzle. One-click applications for things like GitLab, Doku, WordPress, Ghost, Redmine, own cloud. You can have it on your own rig where you have root access. Open source applications under your control. You can monitor your data. DigitalOcean.com. Use the promo code LASTDIGITAL. And a big thanks to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Linux Action Show, Last Digital. And thanks, you guys, for using that promo code. That's what makes it happen. All right, Noah, are you ready for a pretty cool app pick? I am. One thing that I'm just going to say, uh, and I don't have any predictions that really relate to this. It's more of a wish item, which I'm going to talk about more later. Uh, I really wish just PC to PC file sharing was easier under mm-hmm. Linux. Uh, and I really wish PC to PC file sharing over the Internet was way easier. And I'm going to talk about uh, some predictions I have that might address that. <coughs> Excuse me. But I also got sick over the holidays. Also, there is a project in the works right now called OnionShare. And OnionShare is an open source tool that lets you securely and anonymously share a file of any size, and you guessed it, over Tor. Now, it is early. It's in beta. So remember, any security product this early in development shouldn't be used for something that you are really paranoid about. But if you just want really great file transfer, this is a really simple way to do it. So as you probably guessed, I have it set up on my PC. There is one prerequisite before you have Onion Share ready to go. You need to have Tor running. I did the Tor browser. It's really simple. You launch the Tor browser and everything's set up. Then I select the file or files or folder that I want to share over the internet. I click Start Share and it generates me a URL right here. You see this? Now, are you getting, see the UI here? Mm -hmm. No, pretty straightforward. It's a GTK application. Mm -hmm. I can copy this link right here to my clipboard drop into the Jupyter Broadcasting chat room and paste this link in here. And now I can start sharing with anybody that has the Tor browser or Tor because that's just a web URL for them to click. So I'll also, I'll show you what it looks like from the web browser perspective. So um, uh, if you want and you're watching live right now, you can click that link and it'll start sending you the video that Noah and I just played of, the, of his runs Linux. Um, and if you have the Tor browser running, which I have right here, and I paste in that URL, you'll see what I get is a nice-looking web page to download the files that are contained in there. And it could be a folder. Mm-hmm. It could be a whole bunch of files. It's really simple. So the end user doesn't have to be that sophisticated. They just have to have Tor Browser, which is a pretty simple one thing to install. And in yeah. the, you, you don't even have to install it. You can run it right out of the folder, too. Yeah, yes, actually, you can. And uh, also, it's also really easy to run off a USB thumbstick, etc. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And so anybody that wants to now can grab that file with the, at that URL. And it's pretty cool. So I've, I've had some downloads, it looks like, already. Isn't that neat? So it's kind of like Absolutely. sharing files out of Dropbox, but you're doing it directly from your machine, and it's over Tor. So it's called yeah. Onion Share, and it is a free, open-source application. And uh, we have a link to the code on GitHub. And I've been playing with it. It's not a bad way to go. I mean, I'm sure it's still in early days of development, so be careful on the security. But uh, it's worth keeping an eye on. They also have clients available for Windows and OS X. And as you'd expect, you can share between all of the operating systems. And you can find it at onionshare.org. We'll have a link in the show notes. And remember, it does require some Tor functionality. Now, Noah, I know you and I talked about this next app pick off the air because you're like, 
You're like, dude, I have found one of the coolest utilities yeah. ever. Have you ever heard of yeah. this? And I was like, no, I have not. And now maybe if you've never been a system administrator or you've never had to troubleshoot any kind of network issue where you didn't get an mm-hmm. IP address, this might not sound appealing to you. But if you've ever been setting up a home router or been on a network and haven't been getting issued an IP address, you kind of are like, well, now what do I do? And this tool might be, if I'm, if I'm grokking, extremely helpful in troubleshooting that scenario. Am I right? Absolutely. So we were on site and deploying a um, an IP based phone system, and the 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 way that the phones were working was they would when <clears throat> because you would you they had a, a whole bunch of phones. So what we didn't want to happen, we didn't want to have to open each phone up and configure it, and log into the web UI, and and do all that It'd take forever. Um, and so what we were going to do was write a configuration file and leave that configuration file in a TFTP server, then make multiple copies and name them the MAC address. And the idea was when the phones would boot up for the first time, take, pull them out of the box, brand new, you plug them in, you would log onto the network and the DHCP server would hand out option 150, a TFTP address. They would go to the TFTP address, oh, yeah. ask the TFTP server for their configuration, download the configuration, they'd be on the system. And the, the advantage of that was they ever wanted to swap a phone or they ever wanted to make a change. They could do all of that inside of a, computer inside of like a, from a desktop and it would get automatically get pushed out. And then the phones were scheduled to automatically pull to check for config updates. And it was, it was, it was a great system in theory. And when we ordered a couple phones and, and tried them in, in, a, in, in, we call it the sandbox, it worked great in the sandbox. Then we get on site to go do it and nothing is working and we can't figure out why. And so one of the questions I had was, well, are these phones even talking to the TFTP server? And then I can ping the TFTP server and it's working, but are they not pulling the phone? Are they not pulling the yeah, config down? Or are they not even blind. getting the address? How do I know? And so I started to think about it. Well, there's no real way that I know of that I can look at. I mean, if I, if I, you know, if I do, I, if I run IP ADDR, I have config or click on the network connection and click connection information. It's not, it's going to tell me, you know, my, my default gateway and my DNS and IP address and subnet mask, but I'm not going to get things like, option 150. How do, how do I see what the DHCP server is doing? Well, we came across a utility called DHCP ping. And you, you really, I, and I've included the article in the show notes, because you actually need a, 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 another tool called um, uh, DHCP dump, which, uh, which or, uh, is a DHCP dump that, um, that you use that dumps out the, uh, all of the IP traffic that is oh that is coming through from the from the DHCP but you ping the DHCP server and it will act as if that is you are coming online and you're initiating that yeah. that So it's essentially is my it's a it's a it's a utility to see is the DHCP server actually answering requests is it actually issuing uh, and, uh addresses and what, and what information is coming down from yeah. those requests that is what, so what cool. did it hand out what gateway did it hand out what options yeah. did it hand out we could see then yeah no it was not handing out option 150 we went back to to the guys that were administrating their their silly little windows server and said your silly little windows <laughs> server isn't working and oh. you need to fix your, your nonsense and and so and then we got it fixed and then once that once that got resolved then all of a sudden everything started working and i'm like and i started to think about it and i was like how in the world would i've ever figured that out without that utility hmm. i don't know mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it's an amazing utility and if so if you are ever have to troubleshoot dhcp um <laughs> Which I, and I was telling you on the phone too. Yeah. I remember back uh, back in my early administration days when I was working with Windows 2000 and had a nasty little habit of assigning the same IP address to two different machines. If I could have had a utility like this to be able to watch yeah. what was going on, yeah. stuff like that would have been so much easier to troubleshoot. Yeah, but good point, Noah. 
Uh, okay, so I want to take a moment and sort of set up the, the concept of today's episode. So two things uh, I want to talk about. Uh, we're going to do our predictions, and uh, this is something that's an annual tradition on the show, and uh, we're going to do it with a clean slate this year since this is Noah's first year. So we're going to start new, and I, I want to propose a new framework. So I, I want these to be sort of fairly technical uh, in terms of actual predictions of things we expect to happen in 2016. And I think that also then leaves room for a separate episode on things we wish would happen in Linux, things that we really would love to see, and maybe it takes a little magic or takes some people working together we don't expect, but things we really wish. But I don't want to overdo it, so I'm going to put it out to the audience. Would you like to see next week's episode dedicated to what we hope to see in Linux land? So this week, we're going to talk about what we expect to see, and we're going to be held accountable for those, and we're going to probably, if I remember, which I always do, play the clips back in next year's episode to actually put ourselves on the spot and have to answer for it. That's what the predictions episode is about. But a wish list episode would be a couple of really long-time Linux users who have been watching Linux land for a really long time thinking, boy, I would just love to see this taken care of. Universal app install. You know, something like just really big and bold. Now, maybe you have a prediction that might happen, or maybe it's a wish list. Either way, I think we could do two episodes. I just don't want to overdo it. So I'm going to let the live stream decide. If they're in the chat room right now, then you get to vote. I'm putting the URL in there. It's strawpoll.me slash 64361557. And you go to that URL, and then you can vote at strawpoll.me slash 64361557. And we'll look at it in the feedback segment and see if the audience has decided what we're doing next week. Uh, but we, uh, so that, I'm putting that out there. So uh, we'll start the votes. And uh, I want to also take a minute and talk about uh, scale because this is, uh, we've decided to just go all in on going to scale. And legitimately, both Noah and I have been dragging our feet on this decision because the timing of scale uh, works out Could super bad. Possibly worse, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, you want to say personally, you, you can say personally why it's so bad if you want. You don't have to. But for me, personally, it works out horribly because it's right on my birthday, right around my birthday. Uh, and also financially, Jupiter Broadcasting goes all in at Linux Fest Northwest, and it is something we really have to budget for. But for you, it's not just that you also own your own business, have employees that work for you, and children. I, it's also my wife's birthday. And the other thing is, and th this is drastically second to it's my wife's birthday, but uh, I have I have canceled like three other commitments um, because of my wife's birthday. And I'm like, well, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. And then it's like this came up and I'm like, well, I guess we're doing this. Um, and and so but, I, you know, it's OK. She's she's highly supportive. Of yeah, the, she of was the really great. Going to scale. And so, I, you know, I, I told her, I said, this is when scale is. And she's like, you know what? I think you should go. I think, you know, it'd be a great time. So we've both um, uh, I, we both have been firmly decided that we're not going. And we've both changed our mind because we've been watching uh, who's going. And we've been but not just like the, the, the names that are going, but also members of our community that are going. And Canonical is launching Ubicon again right there uh, on the first day. It's like a crossover convention. And it's a great so it's free to attend. It's a great opportunity. So uh, we have a discount promo code uh, for our audience members. If you're going to go to scale, we're going to tell you about that in the feedback segment. But uh, what I'm getting at is we're going to have a breakdown in the feedback segment of some of the things we really need from the audience to make this effort possible. Um, because I really don't want to put this all on a credit card. I can't afford to do that. But we really want to go there uh, full on with video uh, and all of that. So we have a couple of things we're doing. I'm going to tell you more about like hands-on ways you can help us, like with transportation or on-the-ground organization. Uh, i got a few other things I'm going to tell you about in the feedback segment. Financially, though, you can help, and this is something we really need, uh, is we are launching a limited-run Linux Action Show t-shirt, and we're bringing the hoodie back because people have been asking for 14 days at teespring.com slash last400. 
And that's the other part of this. We're launching this to also help potentially fund a last 400, episode 400 party at scale, if it's possible. So we have a big effort we're trying to get. We need to raise a couple thousand dollars. So we need all of you to buy like a couple of shirts if you can. We also have the hoodies available, the premium tee, and the ladies fitted tee is all back. Uh, right now, uh, see right now I'm showing the uh, long sleeve red, which is the shirt that I am wearing. I love this shirt. I have a batch of them. Uh, and we could really use your support. So you go to teespring.com slash last 400. If you can't afford it, it's totally cool. And if you're in the area and want to maybe help out in other ways, I'll tell you more about that. Um, but we could really use your help because we didn't plan for this. But honestly, if we're going to legitimately cover some of the bigger events in the Linux world, we have to be there. The Linux Action Show has to go. And uh, I'll tell you more about our plans. Uh, my, I intend to bring the rover down there, so we'll have a full production suite available for us. Uh, we're going to have full day coverage starting at Ubicon all the way to the end of scale. It's going to be a big event. I'm going to tell you more about it later in the show. But I wanted to mention we are relaunching that shirt for 14 days at teespring.com slash last 400. You can also get the hoodie there, the ladies tee, and the t-shirt, any one of them. If you can, maybe grab a couple of them because we could really use your support. And we want to not just barely be able to fund scale, but it would be amazing to celebrate the 400th episode because you might have noticed this episode 398. We want to celebrate it in person down at scale. It would be amazing if we could get there. Uh, but we need your help. Teespring.com slash last 400 or Patreon.com slash today. So you can get all of that. I'm going to check in on the uh, poll right now. Just see how it's going. Oh, okay. All right. All right. We'll follow up on that. We'll follow the up. The audience has spoken. Yeah. I'm, so either way, long story short, we've both changed our minds on scale and we're not hesitant anymore. We're excited about going. We're all in. Uh, we begin, we, we've been communicating with the folks at scale, uh, getting press credentials taken care of. Um, and all of that. So I think uh, it's it's going to be a really big event. It's going to be a great event. And if you can make it and you want to hang out with us at scale, use the promo code LAST40 and you'll get a 40% discount. We're just, they're just giving that out to our audience. They're not giving us any money for it or anything like that. But you can get a 40% discount if you use the promo code LAST40 to get in at scale. Also, you can register for Ubicon. It's free, but they like it if you register. You can find that on the Ubicon portal. Uh, a couple of cool events. You can hang out with the guys from the Linux Action Show. Say hi to us and... Uh, Go to a cool Linux event as well. So last 40 if you want to go get some uh, tickets to scale. All right, Noah, let's do the news. Hey, it's the news, and this episode is brought to you by... Ting.com. No, everybody knows that. Go to last.ting.com to support our show and get a $25 discount off your first Ting device. Or if you're savvy and you have like a CDMA or GSM device that works on Ting, you get service credit. I'm telling you what. And once you become a Ting convert, you're going to be referring people to Ting, and then you're going to get more credit. You're going to be surprised at how little your bill's going to be. Three smartphones up on my business through the holidays. 45 bucks. 45 bucks because it's $6 for the line. And then Ting just charges for what you use for your minutes and your messages and your megabytes. And if you got a lot of megabytes, you pay a little more that month. And if you got less megabytes, you pay less the next month. It's really straightforward and simple. And they have a great dashboard that lets you manage it all. And because they got the GSM and the CDMA services, you end up somewhere that doesn't work so good for you, switch over to the GSM. If you got yourself like one of them nice phones with the dual antennas or the triple antennas, you know what I'm talking about, like them Nexus Eye, they got that. So go to last.ting.com to support this show. Check them out. You can have unlimited devices, so... Uh, what what gets really great about Ting is, and it's not just Ting saying this, like Consumer Reports is saying this, the more devices you add, theoretically, the cheaper it is. Because a lot of times for the carriers, it's 20 bucks a line, it's 15 bucks a line, 35 bucks a line, 
$25 a line. These are all recent numbers because I've, I've, lo- I've been looking into this uh, just to kind of see how Ting stacks up. Ting's $6 a line. So when you start getting like around 10 devices for a small business, it's literally almost impossible to beat Ting's value. Consumer Reports mm-hmm. says that, not just, not just Chris here on the podcast. But what's really great about Ting is they give you great controls. I mean, a great dashboard. I love these great dashboards. This is a huge thing for me because I'm busy. I don't want to waste my time with their crappy feature set. They treat this like a true platform feature, the Ting platform. They have, to, they have apps for your smartphone. They got apps on the web. I mean, it's a real legitimate way to manage your phone. It's uber good. Uber good. Not Uber. No, I'm not talking about Uber. I'm saying this is uber good. You know what I'm saying? No, you didn't get any uh, new phones for the holidays, did you? I do. Well, I didn't get any phones. I'm still eyeing that Nexus, uh, the the, the new Nexus, and and maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. But I just logged in to to my my uh, my account that I use for for business just to see. I'm paying 109 bucks for everyone that works for us. That's that's the total bill. Um, and you're right. If you have, so a, a competitor that we had looked at was going to offer us $30 per line. And then if we had five lines, it would give us an 8% discount. So, I mean, this, we, it would, this is the, the, the end, end of the day pricing would have ended up being almost twice what we're paying on, on Ting. It was going to be over $200 easily. Um, and I was paying over three times that um, with a competitor back when it was just Sarah, myself, and one other family member. Uh, so it, it, you know, the cost effectiveness, Chris Fisher may say it and consumer reports may say it, but the most authoritative figure in my personal opinion is my calculator. And that says that this is cheaper. There you go. So uh, a lot of times throughout uh, last, we'll play uh, Kyra's app picks. But you know what? It's tradition when it's this time of the year, when it's the holidays, you got to do like your top apps, your best apps. And guess what? Kyra doesn't disappoint. Another year, another set of great apps to recommend. I'm Kyra, and this is our top five apps of 2015. Go, girl! Emojis are currently all the rage, and while they can help fill in the blanks in a conversation, why not go the extra mile with a personal touch? Enter Bitmoji, an app that turns you into a digital avatar that can express what you're feeling. From simple I love yous to the power of the dark side, your conversations are about to get a whole lot more fun. Make the most of your smartphone with Drippler. This handy app identifies your specific phone model to suggest tips, apps, and phone hacks that you'll actually find useful. Incorporating content from Business Insider, Engadget, and other trustworthy news sources, go discover more about your phone than you ever thought possible. Flip is the easiest way to save money when you shop. It includes over 800 digital flyers from popular retailers all across the United States, helping you discover the best discounts on products you're looking to buy. The app has some great extra features too. Flip's shopping list displays local deals on anything you add, while the coupon matchup tool pairs flyer deals with specific coupons, helping you save between 20 and 70% on weekly essentials. Static pictures are so 2014. With Fuse, you can take interactive images that move at the user's pace. Be it a panorama or a walk-around tour, That's the possibilities cool. are endless. These are cool. And very cool to experience. Get top-rated content from all over the web in one convenient place. Pluto TV is laid out like a cable on-screen guide and offers hundreds of channels of quality content, like news, TV shows, sports, and much more. Grab the app for free, throw it up on your Chromecast or Apple TV, and dig into all that Pluto TV has to offer. From all of us at Ting, thanks for tuning in this year. We look forward to sharing more apps with you in 2016. Until then, like this video, subscribe to Ting on YouTube, and check us out on Facebook and Twitter. See you next year. Last.ting.com. Big thanks to Ting for sponsoring the Linux Action Show. Last.ting.com. Go get yourself a discount or a service credit and support this show. In fact, just going there and reading more about Ting, trying out their service calculator just to see how your bill stacks up, reading their blog, that at least lets them know you heard about it here on the show, and it's a nice way to support us. Last.ting.com. 
Didn't really see this next story coming because I haven't been super closely following the whole Google and Oracle lawsuit. My estimation of this whole thing that happened was is that Google came along and bought up IP from Sun Microsystems. Or I'm sorry, Oracle came along and bought up IP from Sun Microsystems. And I think the entire reason they bought up this IP is because they wanted to go after Google. Like, I think this is something Oracle has been aiming for for a long time. And I've always thought because of that, that likely means they pretty much had an ironclad case. Now, if you're not familiar with it, they're suing Google over the Java API implementations in Android, saying that essentially Google copied them and then stripped out like the uh, the copyright messages and some identifiers, changed a few things, and bad guy Google. Uh, they've been going back and forth for years now. Many people say, you know, you can't copy an idea. There's a lot of different points of view. But at the end of the day, source code is what speaks. And uh, the news first came by a mysterious Android code base commit that was noted on Hacker News. And Google has now confirmed to VentureBeat that Android N, the next version of Android, as you guys know, will rely on open JDK implementation rather than Android's own implementation of the Java APIs. So it's kind of funny because open JDK is run by Oracle. So uh, now they're just going to use the officially open blessed stuff from Oracle. <laughs> so it's kind of ironic. Uh, anyways, I'm not really sure what to make of this news because, you know, I'm not a developer. But this seems like a pretty big back-end change for the platform. I'm sure there's going to be mostly no big deal. And Android or OpenJDK is open source, and Google could make patches to make this transition easier. But it seems pretty major, Noah, for a huge platform like Android, the largest platform out there now, really, for Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to imagine to yeah. to have such a major, major under the hood change like this. Does that strike you as? Um, well, I'm, I'm curious. Does it strike you as odd? Does it strike you as, as shocking? Does it strike you as normal? What does? How does it pass your sniff test? No, it, it doesn't. It, well, so I'll back up a little bit. You, I don't. I'm not. I, I I don't know exactly if I don't know if I agree with you when you say that you can't steal an idea. You can steal an idea, and I am all for open source. I'm all for, you know, sharing. Um, but it has to be the choice of the creator. I want the creators to choose to share their ideas and share their code with other people. I in no way advocate or support the idea. If somebody comes up with something and they want to license it as a proprietary license and they want to put a copyright on it, they want to keep other people from using it. I think they should be allowed to do that. I don't think they should do that. I would not like to see it. I won't use their product. I won't recommend anyone else use their product. But I think that that, that should, I think that we should all respect their right to be selfish. Um, so I think you can steal an idea. And if, and, and so, but as far as do I think it's do I think it's a negative thing that that Google is going to transition, make this huge change, and start using uh, OpenJDK? No, because Google has so much finance, so much capital yeah. that you know it's not it, it, to them. You know what they're going to do? They're going to hire a couple hundred people and say, "Hey, you guys, you're all in charge of making sure when." Uh, and uh, actually, wouldn't it, wouldn't this technically take change for um, Android O? Because Marshmallow is shipped. Like I have Marshmallow on my phone, right? Unless they're going to they're going to update M itself. How I, that I actually, even even now that you bring that up, uh, I guess the implication is the next version, right? The next version is when okay. this change can, is, is going to be in. I think that's the core impl- impl- uh, idea here. But it's funny you bring that up. One, one version is not a long time to make this change. And here's what Google said. They uh, gave an update to VentureBeat on the 30th of December. They said um, what they're going to do is... Uh, 
they're going to make changes to OpenJDK to make it work on Android. As a result, the future versions of Android will continue to contain parts of Google's own implementation. So it's still going to be Google-specific. It's just going to be based on OpenJDK. So I think it's going to be pretty smooth. And here's what I think. I think this is great news. I think this really clears up a lot of things. I think it makes things a little more clear. Plus, it's obviously putting more weight behind OpenJDK. So that means there's going to be some patches going upstream. I'm sure Google's going to have its own version or fork that runs on Android, but that means there's going to be likely patches going upstream too. So I think all in all, this is actually really good news. Why? What, what do you like? No, about? just one correction. Chat room insists on pointing out that um, N would follow M. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I thought you, I I thought you, I thought you were saying it would be strange that they could get it done in one version. Yes, A, B, yeah. C, D, E, F, G. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I had to sing it too. Yeah, see, that's, that was the problem, actually. I do sing the alphabet to get to it. And you just couldn't sing on the fly while you're on here. I that's what happened. No, well, I could. It just then, then we wouldn't have any listeners. We could have sung, we could have sung together. We could have just had a moment. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, I want to shift gears and talk about something uh, that uh, actually uh, brought a tear to my eye. The first time I've ever covered something on the Linux Action Show that actually made me a little teary-eyed. Uh, Ian Murdoch, the father of Debian, has died at the age of forty-two. A, for, a former uh, VP at Sun and the Linux Foundation CTO uh, now uh, was a current employee at Docker. Uh, has passed away. Uh, and uh, it was announced on the blog post by uh, Docker. It came after an apparent encounter with police, as some of you probably have heard about. Have you heard the backstory here, Noah? Uh, a little bit. I haven't followed it terribly close. Yeah, there was some tweets that Im- implicated some some altercations with the police, and I'll have links to all of that in the show notes if you guys are are curious about that. Um, and uh, I uh, I don't really uh, I don't really know if we need to spend much time on that particular part of it. But uh, yeah, it's it's it's... It's a story that's still development. It was it was actually really weird. This whole thing has sort of um, it's made me realize something that's kind of uh, hard to swallow, and that is open source is still really young, because some people that were really fundamental and key to open source and its development, they're all with us mostly. You know, uh, I mean, obviously people like Linus Torvalds come to mind. And uh, Richard Stallman obviously comes to mind. Uh, but Ian Murdoch, uh, you know, made significant contributions. And that's what I want to take a moment on last today and really kind of focus on is the, the contributions that, uh, that he made to open source and how he kind of changed things in, for all of us. Because uh, I think that'd be a nice way to kind of remember him. And uh, so I found a really great uh, article over on The Guardian uh, called Ian Murdoch, A Tribute to the Man and His Work on Linux. And uh, it's long, and it's not really written for people uh, in the Linux community. It's written for average people, which is good. Um, I think that's really great. But uh, I, So I highlighted the sections that I thought may be relevant to us as a Linux audience. Uh, Ian Murdoch died on uh, uh, December 28th in San Francisco, the co-creator of Debian. Back in 1993, Linux, Linux itself was less than two years old and a year away from version 1.0. Collaborating with him was his then-wife, Deborah Lynn. She was the Deb of Debian, and Ian is the IAN of Debian. So Debian literally has Ian's name in it. He also created the AppKit Package Manager, which many of us really love. Uh, Like Linux, Debian was produced and constantly improved by a community of programmers who shared common beliefs and principles about how code should be created, improved, and shared. Guiding that process was the Debian Manifesto, Manifesto, which Murdoch posted in January of 1994. Cory Doctorow writes that the Debian project fundamentally shifted the way free and open code got made by fusing an insistence on engineering excellence with a public declaration of ethical nature of doing free software development. 
That's what that ethos is what Ian Murdoch codified in that Debian manifesto. Docker adds that in fact the formative document of the open source movement itself is they say it's one of the formative documents of the open source movement itself. And they say it was originally that Debian position statement. While he stayed involved with Debian after his college years, Murdoch moved on to other work in the software industry, serving at the Linux Foundation, Sun Microsystems, Salesforce, and then at Docker. Throughout the years, he uh, has uh, been well-known, well-liked. A lot of people have uh, come out of the woodwork over the weekend and uh, blogged about him. And I have some of that linked in the show notes. Uh, Including linked in the show notes is how Ian Murdoch himself came to find Linux on one of his one of his best blog posts. Really long, super passionate. Uh, I dug that up, and uh, I posted that in the show notes because really, it really is something. Um, Ian was a great guy, so it's sad to see him go. But uh, those things do happen, and uh, I would recommend you read the blog post. So it was, uh, It's a shame, and uh, also I feel really bad for the Debian community. I mean, how devastating for them. So... Our hearts also got to the family. They've asked for privacy, so that's why I'm not going into all the details about all of that stuff because they don't. I don't think they want it talked about. And uh, well, I have links in the show notes too if you want to read some of that stuff. But yeah. Uh, all right. No, any thoughts on that before we move on? No, just that um, I think that you know from the little bits that I've I've gathered from you know the stories and stuff, and, and you know kind of reading a little bit about you know and I'm not a huge uh, Debian user, so um, a lot of what I was reading was for the first time, but. He was a guy that it, it from from outside appearances, it seemed like he shared um, a, 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 a connection and a belief that I do of 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 um, of Linux and open source being a core fundamental part of his being, not just a project he worked on, not just a way to collect a paycheck, um, but a core fundamental belief. And I think that if you look at a lot of Debian users, that has you know, that transcends. I think that mm-hmm. all, that attitude and that, and that, um, and that drive, uh, for Linux and open source, uh, kind of falls around. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's, yeah. it's a horrible. And, story. and Debian, uh, now the project Debian, I mean, has done so much for mm-hmm. Linux and obviously mm-hmm. there's so many amazing projects based off of Debian. Uh, Ubuntu. yeah. And also tails, which, uh, is, is really serving a, a really specific needs. And Tails is based on Debian's latest stale rele- a stable release. <laughs> Freudian slip there. Version 1.8 just came out. The main change in version 1.8 is the switch to iStove, or Dove, I guess, uh, which is an open source fork of Thunderbird. They're replacing Claws. They also have the Tor browser built in, obviously. Electrum has been upgraded. Electrum is a really awesome Bitcoin wallet. They have uh, I2P up to version 9.23. Enigmail also installed by default uh, at 1.82. And the next version of Tails OS is slated to come out on January 26th, my birthday. Uh, so you can get uh, Tails 1.8 in the show notes. I really like the taking the Snowden thing to, to the nth degree with this. They're really going all in with the Snowden stuff. Like, Snowden's distro of choice. Uh, but yeah, I guess that is true. That is true. So you can go find Tails 1.8, a great live CD if you're going to be doing your taxes, which is why Chris brings it up because it is tax season. So go get Tails 1.8. Now, Noah, uh, because it is the holiday season and we have a bit of a uh, slow news segment, I thought, you know, it would be kind of fun to do something that happened locally uh, to me in the rover. And it was like nothing I've ever experienced in my life. Now we want to get to the real expert, Dan Harris, over here with the other headline. Hey, Hey, guys, good morning. We're going to start here with the two earthquakes that hit the West Coast overnight. The first was a 4.4 magnitude quake in Southern California. 
It and happened then, near San Bernardino. At least 14 aftershocks have been reported. And then a 4.9 magnitude quake hit northwest of Seattle near Victoria, British Columbia. All right. So, Noah, uh, if you look here at this graphic, you will see where they have Victoria, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You see the epicenter there of the earthquake. Mm-hmm. If you mm-hmm. do a straight line out to the other side of that coast, that's where I'm parked. That's where I'm at. Oh. So I'm I'm laying there in bed, and I got to tell you, I was having a hard time sleeping, so I was actually already awake, but I would have woken up. So long story short, uh, the rover sits on wheels, Mm -hmm. right? And so when an earthquake of a 4.8 magnitude happens, the whole thing goes like this. And at first I was like, and, you know, I'm kind of groggy and asleep. I'm like, first I'm like, is the strongest man in the world at my hitch right now, like, shaking the trailer? Like, what the hell is going on? Like, why? And so I'm like, and then I'm like, this is an earthquake. This is an earthquake. And then it just sort of slowed down, slowed down, slowed down. And I go, I went and checked the wine. The wine was okay. I checked the computers. The computers were okay. We're good to go. Okay, really well, a creepy happened to the alcohol. A really creepy experience, I have to tell you. It was it was like nothing I've ever I've ever felt. Here's the thing, I would actually probably rather be in an RV than in a house for an earthquake because at least in an RV, um you can you can just kind of ride out the I mean the RV isn't going to collapse on you. It's meant to be bumpy. Yeah. It's a travel yeah. trip. Oh yeah, right? it's fine. And you know what's funny yeah. too is like then if the power goes out or water gets busted, you're good to go. You're good to go. So yeah, this, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of it move. I mean, like I have never been that close to an earthquake epicenter like that. And so it was I it really it, I really felt it. That was uh that was a lot of fun. That was uh, sort of my my local news. There you go. All right, Noah. Well that's all the news for this week. It's time for us to polish off our crystal balls and look into the future for 2016 and see what's going to happen in Linux land and then be held accountable for it this time next year. But before we get into that, i got to thank our segment sponsor because these guys rock. That's Linux Academy over at linuxacademy.com slash unplugged to get the discount. That's a great one. And support this show, linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. I'm giving you the unplugged discount because it was super, super good. I want to tell you a little about Linux Academy. They, they, they held it in 2015. They rolled out so many new courses, so many new features, upgraded the entire back-end infrastructure, hired more instructors, more developers, more course writers, expanded their live streams, really went all in with the community. I mean, 2015 was amazing, and 2016 is going to be even better because they're really primed now. They have nearly, wow, they broke it. They broke it. They broke 2,000. They have 2,027 videos where you can obtain experience as you need to learn and practice right there on their lab servers, spun up for you. Seven plus distributions you get to choose from. They automatically adjust the courseware and the distro. Downloadable, comprehensive study guides, reading material, listening material, watching material. Instructor help is a big deal. Instructor help is a big deal. These are 2,000 Linux courseware courses with actual instructor help. That's a huge deal. Scenario-based labs mean you actually work with the material. You get real experience, so you have confidence. You're not going to be anxious when you sit down and go to work on that stuff for the first time. You can speak from a position of authority and intelligence because these scenario-based labs are working right there, right there in the scenario on live lab servers. This is super sweet. You connect in over SSH, and it's good to go. They have also something I think is extremely valuable when you have limited time. They have nuggets. These are anywhere from two minutes long to 60 minutes long. Like this one on SSH tunneling. Or bash aliases and escapes. Or here's one. Bootstrapping nodes with chef using knife and pseudo. A lot of good ones here. Command history shortcuts. 
uh, using email on the command line. A lot of really good nuggets that just let you get a, just a deep dive on one particular thing when you don't have a lot of time. They also have a courseware, courseware availability planner that can automatically generate courseware depending on your time. Go check them out. Go look at them. Linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. And a big thanks to Linux Academy for sponsoring Linux Action Show. This is a great opportunity for 2016 to really start refreshing your skills, challenging yourself, make the resume look a little better, make yourself feel more educated. It's really cool. And the community is full of JB members. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplugged. All right, Noah, I hope your ball is ready because, sir, it is time for us to get to predicting. And uh, I'm going to start. We both have about uh, uh, seven or so, so it's like our seven predictions for 2016. And then I'm going to grab some from the audience, too. Uh, but I want to start because I really like mine. Hold on, I'm getting a phone call. Of course, that's a great day. You know what? Your phone call and my ambulance were timed almost perfectly. I don't know if you heard that. You like that? You like that? Isn't that nice? Oh. Uh, hey, Rikai, if you're listening, maybe put the empty bottles out because uh, that was Crystal Springs, I'm sure. They're the only jerks to call me on Sunday. This is what, when you run your own business, this is the kind of crap. You get su- you get Sunday calls from Crystal Springs to let you know your water pickup's yeah, coming. But that's because you are the CEO, so you have to do all of, you have to run the business in addition to being an on-screen yeah. talent. Yeah, but come yeah. on, who sets up calls on Sunday? Anyways, back to my ball. Let's talk about our Crystal Balls. So my first... <laughs> my first prediction for 2016, and, and, and I'm, I'm intentionally going a little vague on this one. I have, if the audience wants the wish list uh, episode, I have specifics in my wish list. I mean, ones that I would really love to see. But my first prediction for 2016 is by the end of the year, some major open source project where it makes sense will have integrated SyncThing in a way that is core to that project. SyncThing is going to become sort of the sync infrastructure for any open source project that needs to move files around. It might not even be with the specific intention of moving files. It could be something like MB introduces SyncThing to track and sync metadata and your MB config across multiple desperate MB servers. So they don't all have to be connected or go through firewalls. Just SyncThing moves. SyncThing and somehow is going to be integrated. And, and I know this is already starting to some degree because there's a rumor out there that the FreeBSD project is using SyncThing on the back end of the project to move a lot of source around and things like that. So if the FreeBSD source code tree is sitting and moving around in SyncThing, something tells me a lot of other things could. So I'm hoping for SyncThing integration. If we get to our wishlist episode, I'll tell you specifically where I think it might fit in. But what do you think, Noah? You think I got a good shot of that one working out? I, I, I'll start out by saying I hope you have a good shot of that working out because I think we all could really use... Uh, a, a good syncing client, and I think we can all agree that um, own cloud just doesn't quite cut it, right? Um, Actually, I, I would I would not even do, I would not even I would not even say maybe I would go a step further. It might be own cloud that you that switches to sync thing instead of C sync that they're using now, which is a catastrophe. That'd be cool. That'd yeah. be cool. Uh, listen, I don't care. I I like the concept of the own cloud project. I just hate that I continually get burned by trying to support them and use it, and then they, I lose files, and there never seems to be an answer. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Anyway. I one one bit of background before you do yours, also because the chat room is totally calling me out. Uh, I don't think SyncThing is hype. I, I started as a SyncThing user, moved away from SyncThing, went back to BitTorrent Sync, gave it time, and now have come back to SyncThing as, you know, as just to allow some time for development, and I'm very mm-hmm. impressed. And, and now there's like SyncThing GTK, which gives you a nice desktop application to manage SyncThing, and you can restart the SyncThing services right from your uh, GNOME desktop. So SyncThing has gotten a lot of really great development, and that's why I think it's now in a great position for that. So anyways, Noah, 
Your first prediction, sir. My my first prediction is 2016 is going to be the Internet of Things, the year of the Internet of Things. I think that <clears throat> all devices are going to transition to IPv6. I think that we've reached the end of IPv4, and I'm, I'm watching ISP slowly make that jump to IPv6. And once that happens, the ability to bypass or to not have NAT, to not have the need for NAT, um, and have every single device that is attached to the Internet have its own individual address is going to make the Internet of Things explode like we you could not even believe everyone thinks we have devices that are connected now i think that's going to be totally different in 2016 i also think those devices are going to be heavily reliant upon uh third-party services i think that um i think that the 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 third-party services are are going to be necessary for those devices uh to work and i'm not saying i'm happy about that but i definitely think that's now can i uh can i uh get some clarification uh can we look in the crystal ball now are you are are you saying are are you saying that IPv6 is going to be rolled out by the end of 2016? Is that what you're saying? I think well, yeah. I, I mean, I don't. I, I think that it is. I'm not saying that IPv4 is going to be gone, but I definitely think that most, if not okay. most, well, if not all, people are going to be on IPv6. Absolutely. But and you can almost you can minute, almost accomplish that in the United States now because Comcast owns so much of the market that if they just turn it on everywhere, which they have been doing, yeah. Well, I mean, so Comcast is turning it on, but they have most most cable modems that I've been seeing lately. They have IPv6, and then they're converting back to four before it before it leaves the the ISP's network. But if you're going from, uh, in in my case, Midcontinent, if I'm going from Midcontinent to Midcontinent, I'm I'm six. Now, and if you, I'm going from Comcast yeah, to Comcast, yep. a lot of places, you're yep. six. Yep. Um, there, I want to back that up with a couple of uh, with a couple of things going with the Internet of Things. Um, Ubuntu is with with Snappy has been targeting uh, Internet of Things mm-hmm. and even Firefox OS, which is going to be discontinued, which is not actively developed for you know smartphone or whatever, is yeah. still they're still going to have some active development on Internet of Things. So I, I think that is I think hmm. twenty sixteen where we're going hmm. to see that become hmm. the thing. Okay, all right. I think that's interesting, and uh, you don't have any like specific type of things like. No, light switches, I, I mean, refrigerators. You think it's yeah, light, light, all of them, all of them. I think that I think that when you get your uh, your Hughes lights, I think there's no longer going to be uh, a box that you that you put behind your router and forward a port or it calls out or whatever. I think that box is going to have an IPv6 address, and I think it's going to exist on the internet. And I think that once companies catch on, that it becomes you don't have to you don't because right now a company has to choose either to run a service to let those devices call home so that they can have two-way interaction, or they have to provide the user with a complicated... The user has to be able mm-hmm. to accomplish mm-hmm. NAT mm-hmm. to be able to do a lot of this. And I think once IPv6 rolls out, I think that is just going to take off like wildfire. Interesting. No more home NAT and firewalls. Uh, all right. So uh, well, let me uh, rub my balls here, and I will tell you that I think... <laughs> I'm sorry. I won't do it anymore. Ball. Singular. Uh, yeah, ball. Ball. Yeah, ball. Phrasing, Chris. Um, phrasing. You know, I want to pick on Linux hipsters for a second with my uh, next pick here. No, I even have a prop to help me do it. Uh, so I think in 2016, you're going to see Linux hipsters start talking about using the Raspberry Pi and those types of devices, like maybe a little faster, uh, for their day-to-day work. Much how Apple bloggers talk about how they only use the iPad or the iPad Pro to do all their day-to-day work. They can do everything on the iPad. Right, well, we're going to be talking about doing everything on ARM devices and Raspberry Pi. And I want to underscore the ARM part because I think that has a big part of it. And I present you right here, friends, the canoe. Or Cano. I don't know exactly how you say it. K-A-N-O. You, you tell me. I, I don't know. Uh, but have you seen this? 
No. Okay, well, first of all, you need to watch Linux Unplugged, because I talked about it a ton on Linux Unplugged, and it was a super great okay. episode. We talked about it. Uh, all right, so, and I'm going to open it up right here, Noah, and you're starting to get an idea, maybe. It's got, oh, it totally keys out. It's got a Raspberry Pi uh, on the box here, and when I open it up, and it's a really nice box, it's magnetically latched, so that's pretty cool. You open it up, and it comes with really easy instructions, super easy to read, with some green on it again. Uh, it's got uh, more instructions embedded in the top here, book one, book two, make a computer, and it gives you step-by-step -step instructions on how to take this acrylic case, uh, this Raspberry Pi 2 Model B, uh, a couple of things like this SD card, which has Linux on it, and this wireless mouse and keyboard trackpad, which uh, connects up to, uh, over, or it's not wireless, sorry, it's USB, and you have your HDMI cable here. And you have your USB micro power cable. And everything you need, as long as you have an HDMI monitor, is in this box to make the Raspberry Pi 2 a full-fledged computer with an actual very nice keyboard, as you can see right here. Very nice keyboard. And it's a two-instruction books. And the books are really simple, really straightforward, very, very, very well designed. I, I could give this to no, little Noah or Dylan, mm -hmm. and they would be able to follow this, and they would be able to build the Raspberry Pi computer. Uh, it's, uh, they even have, like, alphabet stickers on here, you know, for, like, kids and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, they have larger decal stickers for kids to play with, you, with the, that come with, uh, like, uh, hair and makeup and mustaches that you can put on characters, and then decorate the acrylic case with that. So this is the canoe, uh, K-A-N-O, and they sell a kit online. And uh, Files Copying in the chat room got this for me over the holidays so I could take a look at it. So thank you to Files Copying because, you know, this really kind of uh, really opened up how, uh, how close it is to anybody being able to approach a Raspberry Pi and build themselves a custom computer. Taking that data point and combining it with another data point that was announced on Linux Unplugged, which I'm, I'm sure you probably heard, no, uh, is uh, coming from Wimpy at the Ubuntu Mate project. Mm -hmm. They now mm -hmm. get more daily downloads for the Raspberry Pi version of Ubuntu Mate than they do for mm -hmm. the x86 version. They get more downloads for the Raspberry Pi version than all the other versions combined. 386, x86, like it's, it's a huge portion. And people mm -hmm. are turning these into full-fledged computers. And I, when you look at all the advantages, low power, silent, who doesn't love a silent computer, right? Uh, fully capable of running most web applications, except for things like require Flash. Really cheap, easy to get together, use existing HDMI-capable displays. Uh, I think this is going to be the year that you hear a lot of people talking big about these being their day-to-day -day workhorses. Uh, and they're not, they're not going to be people compiling software locally. They're not going to be people encoding media. But they're going to be 90% other use cases out there that will work just fine on a device like that or close to it. And so I think this is the year the Linux hipsters start bragging about uh, running full-time on ARM-type devices. You know, I, I was a little, I was a little hazy. I'm like, yeah, I kind of see that maybe until you said a Raspberry Pi or other devices, because if you're, t when you open that up to ARM being the, 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 the hipster, I can definitely see that happening. In fact, the, really, I saw that happening, like actually saw that happening, not predicting that happening, saw that happening firsthand at the end of 2015. The, the ARM guys, oh, they really? are, yeah. they are, they are, it's like a cult, man. It's they, like, if you, if you develop for ARM or you have an ARM device or you, you looked at an ARM device, basically you're part of the cult. And it's like, if, if it's not ARM, then, and, and they know everything about it and every different company that manufactures them and, and which ARM devices are better for which things it just the one thing i found in common is 
they all see the Raspberry Pi as a toy and not for anything serious. So I, I, yeah, I, was, I, I was a little bit, I was a little bit hazy. But then when you open it up and say yeah. or similar devices, yeah, hundred percent on. Yeah. All right. So your next prediction. My next prediction is that SSL and web encryption will become the uh, the de facto standard, and all devices. Um, that will be issuing uh, CA certs. So if you buy a router in a store, uh, in, oh. in, you know, halfway through 2016, I don't think it's going to happen right away, but by the end of 2016, I think all the routers that you buy in stores are going to have uh, certificate authority certificates on them. I think that things like own cloud, the roll your own services, any of that stuff, they're, it, HTTP is just not going to be a thing. It's all going so to be So do you think uh, like even sites like AltaSpeed and Jupyter Broadcasting will be HTTPS? Because it does mess with something cachy. It messes with some caching techniques. For sure. I think that for people like you and me who we're in control of that stuff, I think that that's going to be that's going to be a little bit of the exception. I don't know about you. I have so many. I the the list of things that I have to do uh, where putting our site, which has which does basically nothing uh, of of secure form. We have a store, but that's that's outsourced. It's just LinkedIn. Everything else is just it's it's basically an electronic brochure. The my priority list for making that uh, having that SSL is next to zero. So I would never go. So out there's going to be a large portion that won't be SSL then. Well, I don't know. I, I think that a lot of people, when when they start their web page up, uh, or when they, you know, like if you go to, if you go to use the GoDaddy designer, or if you go and and uh, and go on DigitalOcean and start a and start a um, a blog right. or something like that, and a, a, a lot of those roll your own services. I think those are going to incorporate SSL, and I think that that's how a lot of people yeah, get started. That makes sense. I, I think the people that actually set up a web, uh, an Apache web server and, and then administrate the whole thing and are, aren't rolling something into it, I think that is probably, is probably the minority. I, I think that's interesting, and uh, I'd like to see that come true. My next prediction is one that's going to make us a little uncomfortable. Speaking of hipsters, open source Swift becomes uncomfortably popular. Uncomfortably popular. Uh, especially... On Linux, I'm not talking like on the desktop. I'm talking on the server. I present Exhibit A, Perfect.org, already launched before Swift even went open source. It builds itself. We've talked about this in Coda Radio, which I'm sure you've heard, Noah, because I'm sure you're listening to Coda Radio. Uh, it builds itself as one language to rule them all. Wouldn't it be amazing if you could develop every aspect of your app's front and back end all using Swift? We think so. That's the vision behind Perfect. Perfect is the first enterprise-grade web server and web toolkit for the Swift programming language. If you're ready to develop in Swift and you need a back-end server software, Perfect eliminates the need to choose and learn a back-end language by allowing you to use Swift for all of your coding. And they're working on Linux versions, and of course, Apple has released Linux code. So I think 2016 is going to be a big year for Swift. I think they Apple actually launched the project decently, including full commit why, history. Why do, you say, why do you say it's uncomfortable? Because it came from Apple? Well, uh, my next prediction will give you an indication why I think it's uncomfortable, because I have a okay. theory about, about where Apple's going in general, which I don't want to give away my next prediction, because I want okay. to give all you right, a chance right, to lay right, down your right. next prediction. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, my next prediction is that Linux uh, or open source technology is going to become the playground uh, and, and, the, and essentially ground zero for... Uh, Mycroft and artificial intelligence. I think that as Mycroft gains traction next year, um, I think that that is going to be the it, Linux is just because that is where all of this stuff has started is going just like the Raspberry Pi. Even though Windows has tried to put their 
stuff on the on the Pi. Nobody actually uses Windows on it. Very few people actually use Windows on the Pi. People that are playing with ARM-based computers, playing with Raspberry Pis, they're playing with those using Linux because that's just what you do on a Raspberry Pi. I think that's going to be the same thing in 2016 when it comes to uh, things like Mycroft and AI. Now, what about uh, the folks like that are doing proprietary stuff that already have kind of a leg up? Do you do you think they're going to make Linux versions? I, no, because here, I, yeah, and I, I, and here's here's why here's where I take this from. I take this from your a while ago. You said something that that really struck a chord with me. You said when I think it was at a conference actually. You said that when we look at things like VR, it's not the Samsung VR glasses. It's not the uh, Oculus Rift that are that's really going to propel. Uh, uh, VR into the into you know dr- be the driving force behind it. What it's going to be is things like Google Cardboard, where it's it's a five dollar device that you can put any smartphone in and and play with it because that and gets web it in VR. the hands, huh? And web well, VR, whatever. Yeah, you know, way to deliver uh, yeah. it. Yeah, right. And so, and 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 that seems to be very, very true. If you look at the at, at the at the biggest explosion of technologies, Android, Raspberry Pi, all what the, what those things all have in common is you can put them and play with them on anything. And so, when people go to do their projects or play with it, or everyone has an idea, any as long as there are garages, people will continue to have ideas and try and sell uh, products. But when you have when you make that technology easily easily accessible, it becomes the place that people gravitate towards because it's a place for them to start and there's a low capital investment. And the problem with a lot of the proprietary solutions are, yes, they have a ton of money to dump into development. And yes, they start with a leg up and yes, they have, you know, the, the guys in suits that can go sit down and negotiate a business contract. What they don't have is hundreds of thousands of really smart people that are sitting in their basement that don't have all the advantages of all that other stuff. What you have is a good idea. And 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 time. Yeah. And time, but and not a lot of money. Time. Not a lot. Not a lot yeah. of money. <laughs> but you give those people, you give those people the technology that they need to make their, and, and they will push that technology right to the breaking point, and maybe sometimes yeah. even a little bit over, so that it's not perfectly. You know, it's yeah, maybe I, not always. Reliable, I love that to be true, Noah. Point. I'd love mm-hmm. that to be true. I am worried. Just as a side prediction, this is an official VR prediction for me. But I'm, I, I'm worried 2016 is going to be a no, a, a, a no show year for VR. I just think that the the main players are leading it right now. They don't have something impressive enough to. To consumers, uh, the stuff that is consumer friendly, like the Samsung stuff, is super buggy uh, and it requires the horsepower of a phone. Uh, if it if it is going to succeed, it's it's by what I think you just laid out, uh, unless somehow Valve or Oculus just totally nails it. But I don't think that's going to happen. And I think your your version, I think you're going to see people adopt the commercial stuff, and that's going to generate the hype. But the actual mm-hmm. interest and people who can actually do something is going to come from your version. That's that's a good one. All right. So my next prediction kind of plays off of. Uh, the Swift prediction, and it's because it sort of also involves Apple because it's about the printing system we all use, cups. I think uh, 2016, Apple either cuts cups loose somehow, or what I think is more likely to happen is in the next version or the version after of OS X, Apple is going to replace cups with their own custom printing system. They've hmm. been doing this with Samba and uh, d- d- uh, local DNS lookup and uh, a lot of different utilities they've been replacing with their own, uh, their init system was one of their first, right? Uh, and so I think this is the next thing in the Apple chain. I think Apple is going to focus more on mobile than ever, and that means they don't need a really advanced printing system anymore. Uh, their recommendation is probably going to be print to a Linux box uh, on the network if you need fancy servers and printers. And so I think Cups is either going to need a new home or a fork 
by the end of 2016, and this one's a little tricky because I don't really think it's going to be easy to tell that the updates from Apple to Cups have been mm-hmm. slowing. They're still happening. There was one that happened uh, at the, around the beginning of December. But before that, it was a gap. And before that, it was a gap. And before that, it was like it's been slowing down a lot. Now, that doesn't mean new printers aren't coming up. That doesn't mean things don't need to be worked out. That doesn't mean things have to be changed or security updates don't need to be made. All those things are still true, but the updates have been slowing down. And I suspect that this just doesn't sound like Apple anymore. But we'll see. Hmm. That's my, my expectation is Apple loses focus on those kinds of things. And that's why I'm uncomfortable with them being behind Swift, too, because they stick with stuff hmm. for a while. But then when they change their mind, they really change their mind. Uh, now, being hmm. open source doesn't mean it won't be abandoned. But if the biggest backer behind it goes away... It's a big burden for the open source community to sort of yeah. tuck and roll with. So we'll have to see where that goes. And I think those conversations will be underway uh, by December of 2016. That is my prediction, sir. Your next prediction. My next my, – well, actually, I kind of want to back up. And if, if I can touch on yours. Um, yeah, yeah. That, I, well, I guess, I, guess, uh, I, guess, I guess I see where you're coming from. But I'm not – it doesn't make me uncomfortable because if a company as big as Apple is going to dump a bunch of money and time into a, into a project, be it a cup system or code, yeah. and they're going, to, they're going to get that ball rolling really heavy. I don't think okay. they're like – I don't think they're – no, I think they're all in on Swift. I think they're all in for a long, long time. I think what's well, more what, – what I guess for Swift, what concerns me more is – they're super new, and this is mm-hmm. not at the core of who they are. Uh, now, mm-hmm. they got some people working for them that seem to be uh, uh, that seem to really get it, and maybe that maybe that's all it takes. Apple just lets those employees continue. But what happens ten years from now when those employees don't work there anymore, or those kinds yeah. of things? What happens right. when then, something then you, that is then not you ha- then you have ten years? That's what I'm saying. You have ten years yeah. of a really big company that's dumped a bunch of money to get to get a ball rolling. Well, you asked, and now we you ask what keep- what makes me uncomfortable. It's that this is this yeah. is really their first big thing. It's, and yeah. so I think it's going to become a significant player on Linux, and uh-huh. so you're going to have a you're going to have a significant language on Linux because yep. frankly there's just a crap ton of iOS apps being made right, and so if you can if you can just reduce overhead by developing in Swift for both the front end and the back end, that's going to be a no brainer. Yep. And people aren't hosting these yep. things on Macs; they're hosting them on Linux up on up in the yep. cloud, right? So right. it's going to be a significant development platform on Linux, uh, yep. and so it just concerns me. That they're kind of new to. They have cups. They have they have Darwin. They have they have a lot of open source projects, but nothing where they've actually gone all out on Git. They're using Git issue tracker. They're interacting with the community. Mm-hmm. They're actually accepting bugs. This is Great. new. It, it, in the past, all open source Apple has been at developer.apple.com. You can sign up yep. for an Apple developer account, and if you want to file a bug, you go create a radar, and then something just happens to it. It, it, it has not been your traditional open source company. They got close yep. with their involvement with webkit but they've and cups but right those are those are those are completely different beasts and cups is a completely yep. different example because they brought that in after it was created i uh-huh. i would argue and, and and in the case with webkit they forked it from khtml this is really their true creation from beginning to end and it's going to be a significant and yep. important piece of software on linux like cups is today and i yep. think this might be more important than cups because okay. Linux is influenced I follow on the you, I follow you through all that. I follow you. Where I disagree with you, or where where we part ways, is is when you say and and so in a couple of years they may abandon it. Up to oh my no, answer. I don't think with Swift. No, I mean with well, like I mean with like there's well, with a lot of things like cups. You just never know. With Swift, fine, I think they're then we've gotten a bunch of years of, of great development out of it. They're welcome to step away. Nobody, we've lost nothing. We have nothing to lose by a company pushing forward like that and then I, all of a sudden pulling away. I think uh, the piece of the argument you're missing is. 
sort of the implied influence and power Apple is going to have in the Linux space. That's the part oh, that okay. concerns me because oh, they're okay, not okay. used to being a a a, a considerate contributor and, and citizen in these communities and not only are they That's one fair. of the richest companies in the world uh, but now they're going to have one of the more important pieces of server-side software potentially by the end of 2016 on Linux and and as an addendum to my predictions it's going to double down in June when WWDC hits and Swift 3 is announced which I think it will be uh, it's it's gonna it's it's gonna be crazy it's already one of the most popular projects on github uh, it's, yeah. it's already huge. So the, uh, the, 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 the undue exertion of control is something I can definitely follow. I just, I wasn't quite following the, they, they have a tendency to, to, to abandon or pull back from projects that I think it depends I, I on the importance of the project there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, so, uh, so the, my next prediction is that optical discs are going to be phased out by the end of 2016. There's, we're going to be done with Blu-rays and in replacement of Blu-rays, we are going to have something like digital copy. And if you are a full-time Linux user like I am, then you've dealt with this where you go to the store and pay 20 or $30 for a movie and you bring it home and you can't watch your own freaking movie that you paid for in the store because the stupid little digital copy thing doesn't work. And I can't bother to rip I, the, the, my, my software doesn't break the encryption or whatever to, to rip the movie that I paid money for in the store. <laughs> yeah. What I think is going to happen is in 2016 it, with the, with the advent of things like the Roku and now basically ever, I was in Best Buy over Christmas. Every freaking TV is a smart TV. And you know what the sales guys are saying? Hey, Hey, you don't need to buy uh, you don't need to buy movies with this TV. You have Vudu, and you you can buy movies on this on Vudu, and it's like a service. And you buy your movies, and then you can play it on any device that you have Vudu on. Well, guess what? Vudu isn't supported on Linux, and so I think that with the with the dissipation of of optical media, and with the advent of all these um, all these digital, uh, you know, uh, over the air or file based movies is going to make it very easy for them to implement encryption mm. and, and make it really difficult for us to play movies legally on Linux. And I think that is going to be, I think it, it, if, 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 if the people, if the amount of people that purchased videos legally on Linux were slim in past years, I think 2016 is going to be a whole new playing field. I think yeah. it's going to go right out the window. Yeah. And it means that we're going to have to be more selective about uh, where we spend our money because we have to make Absolutely. sure that we're supporting mm -hmm. companies that are making playback possible on Linux. And I, I would say, I think you're right, Noah. And I would say it's, a, it's it, 2016 might be the year where we go. I no longer care if it's, if it's, it, what codec, well, I don't care what codec it's in. I don't care if it's copy protected. Now I'm just struggling to make sure I can play it on Linux. Uh, and so hopefully with, uh, with Firefox getting the, I hate to say this, but Actually, you know, I'm not even going to say it. Uh, here's what I am going to say. If you don't like this, if you think this sucks, then watch independent content like ours yes. and stop spending your money yeah. on Netflix. Support it at patreon.com slash today and watch our yeah. content. Because really, yeah. that's the only real long-term solution is people don't buy that crap so they can't sell it that way. And mm -hmm. the only way that's going to happen is if you guys do it. All right. And me too. I mean, I'm in, I'm in on that too, right? I, uh, I am I. Yeah, I, I, it's not, I'm not just saying, I actually try to preach it too. And I have a Netflix account and I support it because it plays under Linux. But I, yeah. if they ever dropped I, Linux support again, I would, 
I would drop support of Netflix. I, I canceled. I when 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 uh, when I uh, I had Netflix for a little while, and then they changed their plan tiering, so I couldn't get DVDs anymore, and it was only I was only going to get streaming, and it didn't work under Linux. And I wrote them an email and I said I'm canceling my service because it doesn't work under Linux. And if you ever fix that, let me know and I'll sign back up. I'm not giving you money because I wouldn't be able to use it on, on my computer. I can't use it. That's right. So I canceled my service, and the day that they that that it came out, now I don't mean the little you could use Netflix when it was wrapped in the little. No, I know what you that, mean. No, yeah, no, no, you no, mean no, like that. In, yeah, in the browzer. In, yeah, in Without Chrome, when I could open Chrome, go to Netflix.com yeah. and click play, and it just yeah. worked. When that happened, the day that came out that I read that, I went back and signed back. You up, know what they I, say, I, Noah? You know what they say? I think that we should all make those businesses fail. All right. I have said that. So said that uh, my prediction, my next prediction is this will be the year. Uh, it's just going to be like a, a, an avalanche. It's just going to happen, and it's just going to become the norm by the end of 2016. It's just going to be the accepted wisdom. And that is ButterFS is going to be talked about as in it's good for some use cases. And let me give you that use case. It'll be a, it'll be et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It'll be a pretty specific use case, and that's a great scenario for ButterFS, where ButterFS won't be talked about, and this is going to be the big deal, and this is going to be the, the thing that's really going to take off, is data storage. People aren't going to be talking about big data storage with ButterFS. We're going to be talking about ZFS on Linux. ZFS is mm -hmm. going to go so big on Linux in 2016, driven in a large part by Ubuntu, even though there's lots of ways to do it now, and there has been for a while. But when you actually get a bullet point on an Ubuntu box, or, you know, the theoretical Ubuntu box that ships, mm -hmm. that doesn't actually ship, that bullet point that reads ZFS support, that's going to be the thing. That's going to mm. be the thing that just tips the scales because then you're going to be able to deploy a droplet out of the box ZFS support, right? Things like that. Mm -hmm. So I predict, and this is bold, but God, I would love for this to be true. By the end of 2016, there will already be more Ubuntu plus ZFS deployments than all FreeBSD plus ZFS deployments combined. I think it's going to, I mean, I think it's going to be so big because I, I really think it, it, uh, people who haven't worked with uh, companies that are writing a ton of data that's like not only just important data, but there are federal commission or federal agencies that make sure you have that data. And if you don't have that data, you lose like your FDIC insurance and things like like there is like certain kinds of requirements for these people that they operate under that it would actually be considered malpractice for them to use ButterFS because it is it, it just it, it just it, it would just be ridiculous. Like I don't think so many people out there realize how much of an advantage FreeBSD has had for the for the last couple of years by having ZFS out of the box. And there are entire companies now that just sell these rigs running ZFS. I mean, it is a big industry, and these same businesses that wouldn't trust ButterFS don't trust a Fuse method to get ZFS. They don't want something that they are hacking together themselves. They want something that's coming upstream. It's in a long-term support edition or something like that. And so I think 2016 is going to be huge for ZFS on Linux. And I'm majorly excited about it because I've been waiting for it, Noah. What do you think? Am I cray? Just got out of a meeting this week with uh, with uh, with one of the one of the leaders of a <clears throat> of an organization we're supporting, and we're talking about file servers, and we're gonna there's it's gonna be a huge deployment, and basically. Um, <laughs> What they said was we went over the different options and, and the, the, the number one thing that stood out to them, you know, and they had a lot of their tech guys that, that, that come in and, and sit down and, and say, you know, this is what, this is what the, the contractor is, is suggesting to us and this is what we think you should do. Um, and right down the board was 
if we're going to do this, we got to have ZFS. And so they ended up, we ended up using FreeNAS in, in that particular installation. Oh but, yeah. That was the recent uh, thing you and I talked about. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is, it is, but it is good. And that was a small, small, small portion of, of what the, what the grand scale of what we're doing over there. But, but the, they wouldn't even consider, they wouldn't even, we couldn't even talk about Linux on a file server because we didn't have ZFS. And so right then everything else just kind of got shot out. And yeah. we, we looked at things like the Synology and the Drobo and the, I mean, you name it, we looked at it and, 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 and what they wanted to go with is ZFS. I think you're absolutely right. If you can get native support on ZFS, that is going to that is going to really propel Ubuntu or, or any Linux distribution that supports it forward drastically. However, I do think that um, you may be slightly underestimating the 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 the, the following and the um, the perceived uh, stability that FreeNAS and and similar projects have. I mean, there it seems to be that they have built themselves a reputation in the IT world as the go to file server distro, at least that's kind of what I'm seeing. So I kind of wonder if there aren't going to be some people that are like, well, ZFS is technically supported on Ubuntu. I, exactly. It's a bullet point, but really, if you want, uh, if you're going with the I, think, file server. I actually don't think their momentum is going to slow down much uh, because they're continuing, you know, now that they've had it for so long, uh, like uh, our, our very own Alan Jude, he just mm-hmm. committed upstream uh, ZFS boot environments to the to the FreeBSD uh, bootloader. So when you boot up, it automatically detects previous boot environment snapshots and al- will allow you from the from the bootloader. It'll it'll just it'll auto it'll it'll enumerate them and allow you to choose a previous boot environment to go into after updates. So it's like it's a really mm-hmm. great system, and that's something we got to get into. We got to get you know Grub's got to get working on that kind of stuff. I mean, there's a lot of work, but I think it's going to go quick in 2016. Um, I think Linux is still a more competitive platform. I think Linux is going to have a higher de- uh, deployment online too, and I think that's going to play a big role in it. So I actually mm-hmm. think uh, I think what's going to happen is Linux is going to double down on its momentum, and it's just because it already has so much platform momentum as it is, it's just going to it's going to go past what because there's so much demand for this right now. It's just going to go. It's going to exceed what BSD has done. Uh, okay, that's my my thought. Anyways, are you ready for your next prediction? I am. My next prediction is that software vendors are going to find it almost impossible to market to a given operating system uh, with native applications. Um, towards the end of 2015, uh, it, it kind of what I'm looking at, and I, I, I was going through, this This kind of stood out to me because we were switching our, our ticketing system over. And so what we were doing was taking all of our active cases and, and moving them over. And then all the ones that were pending uh, invoicing, we're moving those over straight in, into uh, the accounting uh, beans books. And so as I, and so I had the unfortunate uh, advantage of sitting in a room with three other people as we're as we're kind of migrating all this stuff over. And one of the things that I noticed is practically every software deployment that we have scheduled for the beginning of 2016. In fact, no, not practically every software deployment that we have scheduled for 2016 for the uh, at least it's planned right now is all moving from a native application over to some sort of version of a web app. And mm. the one exception to that, and what tripped me up for a little bit, is the there is one application that is quote unquote native, but it's not native. It's a web wrapper that I mean there's an icon on the desktop and you double click on it and it opens up a window, but really it's just it's it's WebKit that's wrapped into uh, the the website and the, everything works the same as if you had gone to the if you load the web server and and, and type in the address and and open up that 
that web page, it's exactly the same. It just has a minimize button. And then there's some buttons on the side that you can click on that, that, that execute the buttons that are on the web page. But basically, it is a web page too. I think that trying to write a application for Windows or for Mac or for Linux, at least in, in, in a broad sense, in, like for enterprise in large deployments, yeah, mm-hmm. are, are going to be almost next to nothing in 2016. Yeah. Why waste the right? effort? Why waste the effort? Yeah. Because you know, the Chromebook and, and tablets are reality in enterprise as well. Right, yeah. That's a good one. I like. All right. So I'm going to stay just for a moment on the BSD train. Is that, is that okay? Do you mind if I make yeah. a BSD prediction for 2016? Please. I love BSD. Uh, BSD is totally going to go systemd. They, just, they won't call it that. Nobody call it that. And they're going to mock systemd all the way there. Uh, but uh, I've been watching this come down the pipe for a while. They're starting with the Mac launch launcher, and then they're going to customize. That's one of their ideas. In fact, it's discussions that they've been having for a while uh, over on uh, the BSD Now show. Uh, in fact, um, I think, oh, I was going to grab the episode. Oh, yeah, BSD Now episode 118. BSD is go for launch. They, this is the summary of the episode. We know init systems have been all the rage recently, from systemd to openrc, launchd, and even nosh. A lot of work is being done in this arena. Today, we're interviewing Mark Haley to discuss his efforts on relaunch D and how it differs from the rest. So essentially, FreeBSD, after years of mocking systemd, is going to be implementing its own version of systemd. And they'll begin that work in 2016. That's my prediction. And because of that, the systemd haters are going to start to normalize out and fade into the background. That's my prediction. Well, That's my system D slash BSD prediction for 2016. Well, I can't comment on that because I don't follow system D. I'm uh, <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> I, I'm sure I, I, I listen. I'm sure I will hear about it uh, all day long from Alan uh, come Linux. Uh, Linux. Oh, I have one. I think I have one more that I want to do. You got one more. How many okay. do you have, do you have left? I, I have, I have two more. Okay, go ahead. Do it. Do it. You do your next one. Okay. Um, anyone who is, uh, anyone who has the groundwork for a mobile operating system, um, be it Ubuntu OS or Firefox OS or the Ubuntu Touch or whatever it is, all uh, Sailfish OS, all of those mobile operating systems, if they have the groundwork started, they're either going to really plunge ahead and continue, or they're going to pull and be done with it. And by the end of 2016, Anyone that's left standing, those are going to be what we have for mobile platforms. I don't think there's, I don't think after 2016, anyone is going to say, well, mobile is the way of the future and we should go create a mobile operating system and, uh, and try to get it to run on, on phones. I don't think that's going to happen. I think 2016, I think if you've already started down that road, they might continue it. But at the end of 2016, whoever is left standing, that's what we have left. They'll either, they'll either succeed or they'll be done by the end of 2016. Okay, so that was actually literally my my prediction. But mine was going to be Ubuntu phone specific. We're going to see, I think, uh, at least three new Ubuntu phone devices. I predict three new phone devices. Uh, there's only going to be one that anybody would reasonably want, though, is my expectation. So three new devices, only one people would reasonably want, and this is the make it or break it year. We'll find out in 2017 what their plans are going to be. And if I think if they don't have a big carrier or a big hardware vendor sign on by... Uh, End of 2016, my guess would be they're probably going to wrap it up and focus on Internet of Things, cloud, and a renewed interest in the desktop. So that's sort of my, that was my, that was my new prediction I want to do. So I'm just going to sort of tack that on to the end of yours. All right. I'll okay. do my last okay. prediction. This is my last okay. one. I ha- then I have some from the, from the patrons. Uh, okay. Vulcan. It's going to be a great year for Vulcan. No, not the planet Spock's from. It's that graphics API we've been talking about. 
Uh, I think uh, Vulkan will be supported on nearly all the platforms by the end of 2016, Linux being one of them, helped by Valve, iOS being the biggest one not supported. Uh, I even think that includes Android. Uh, th- this will start to open up the market to allow more options for Linux gaming by the last quarter of 2016. They're going to be right into Vulkan. And uh, the only thing that's still kind of uh, sticky there is the audio stuff, because uh, there's not a really great solution there. But for video, uh, it's, it's going to be a great year for uh, Vulkan getting picked up. Now, of course, I'm sure it's going to take uh, some, some time to work out all the kinks. But you're going to see Vulkan adoption on nearly all platforms, I think, by the end of 2016. There you go. Any thoughts, Noah? No, no, that seems like an excellent prediction. We'll see. <laughs> right. la- okay, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm sure I would, I would I would probably have more to say, but here's the thing. I'm it's so Vulcan. excited about my last Okay, go for, for it. I'm go for it. Go for it. Oh, okay. Right, here's go my last prediction. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. Now, take your hand away from the hang up on Noah button. Okay, sure I'm ready. On, go on, lay it on me. On the other side. Okay, all right. Rel will continue down its path of amazingness, righteousness, and I'm going to continue to preach how much I love Red Hat, but by the end of 2016, Chris is going to format all of his arch boxes and put Fedora on them and all of his servers on the back end and all the back end infrastructure of Jupiter Broadcasting is going to run CentOS. What? Then your description is, is not accurate. <laughs> no, that's totally going to happen. I'm telling you. Now, is this, what is this? Why is this? Is copper and DNF coming together? No, I, I think, I think that, <clears throat> I th- well, obviously, that crazy. Is, I'll be honest with you. Part of it is just to troll you. Part of it is just a troll. But, but the other, but <laughs> the other part is, but no, but, but no, but really, if you look, if I, if you look back and watch the episodes of your Ubuntu, or if you, sorry, Ubuntu, if you go back and watch your uh, Fedora reviews and, and what you have to say, every time we do a Fedora review, you get more and more happy with Fedora, and you, uh, you, <laughs> if you don't complain about something in person. <laughs> I know we're really, really on the right track. And the, the last time that you were using Fedora, you had it installed. I don't remember why we took it off what the, the machine that you were testing it on. I think because we had to use the machine for something else. It wasn't because you got sick of Fedora. And so, and I'm watching that happen. And then at the same time, I'm also looking at the way that uh, Red Hat has kind of adopted, so to speak, CentOS. And I kind of look at that and say, that has become, you know, a, a really compelling, I've always thought it was a compelling server operating system. And I think that as as they kind of push forward, and if you start to get kind of bit by that Fedora bug, I think yeah. the natural server Well, there, I, I could see that. If the Fedora thing were pans out, I could see the CentOS thing panning out, because I would imagine some of the things that are appealing me to Fedora, uh, maybe, whoo, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, I made a hard mm-hmm. break from, from CentOS to Debian and Ubuntu on the server years ago, and that felt real good, Noah. I felt real good. So I don't know about going mm-hmm. back, but I'll tell you, the, the last Fedora was very appealing. And there is, there, is, uh, there, there is sort of a trend in my reviews where I've been getting more pleased with the Fedora releases, too. I kind of agree yeah. with you there. I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see what happens. What's, uh, what's your, uh, is, do you have one more prediction? Did you have one more? That was, no, that was it. Okay. That, was, that was the one I was waiting for. That was All the one right. that I said Really kind of, uh, it's kind of all right. Okay, all right. I gotta. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go through a couple. I asked the patrons at tech uh, at the uh, at the tech talk today. Patreon at Patreon.com/slash today. And Martin B said that LXQT becomes stable and replaces LXDE. And Chris becomes super hyped. Uh, XFCE becomes irrelevant because of the popularity of Mate, and developers will openly leave the sinking ship. Fedora 25 will have Wayland by default, not 24, and this will cause a lot of issues, which will be good for development. Mm-hmm. Uh, KD Plasma 5 will keep improving, but little issues will keep existing that prevent Chris from recommending it. OpenSUSE Elite 42.2 will not release in 2016, but is postponed to January 2017. Ubuntu uh, will launch. Did they give any backup for that? 
Oh, why they say that? No, but I kind of like it. I, I, I think it's, I think it's, I'm really curious. So Leap got a big, big amount of hype. A lot of people jumped on board Sousa. I'm really now, the thing about, the thing about 2016 for Sousa is there's a, there was a lot of questions I asked in an interview on Linux Unplugged where the answer was, we haven't solved that yet. We don't know yet. 2016 okay. is where they have to start answering those questions on how they're going to do some of these things now that they have all these users. And that is what's going to make or break it. Now, they're pretty smart folks, so I have a, I have a sense they'll probably get it right. But this is going to mm. be a huge year for SUSE. So I want to talk more of that maybe on Linux Unplugged. Uh, Ubuntu will launch Unity 8 for desktops, but also keep their phone strategy alive. Mirror will not be replaced by Wayland. The hype for Docker will be lowered somewhat, but actual usage in the enterprise will increase. The Open Container Initiative will cease to exist. Wow. AMD will go open source as a way to prevent bankruptcy, and this will be a start of a better Linux compatibility future, but revenues will not improve. So that was from Martin, and those are pretty good. And those got a few likes on the uh, Patreon feed, so that's why I picked that. Another one that got a couple of likes was uh, Lindsay S., Lindsay says that Steam Linux usage moves up 5% after wallowing for quite some time under 1%, primarily due to Steam Machine sales and some releasing big games. Uh, mm -hmm. Ubuntu will dominate the distro market, will continue to slip in usage and user mindshare. Mint, based on Ubuntu LTS, will be the big hit and recommended for most new users. Fedora and OpenSUSE will continue to increase in market share. KDE 5 will continue to stabilize and add new features to fix other issues. It will start to bring back some of the mindshare it lost in 2014. Uh, Five, uh, uh, and also in 2015. Uh, it also, uh, lots of praise due to features when 5.7 is released and the fact that, uh, that uh, uh, you have different menus to choose from will also be well received. Wayland will be released from, for some distributions such as Fedora, but will still be seen as experimental. Labor Office will continue to rise in popularity. Large governments and educational institutions will announce that they are moving to it. Hmm. Citrix Zen server will get accolades for new releases and continue to be a great option for virtualization. I, I agree with that one, too. Mm -hmm. uh, many other Linux-based virtualization solutions, such as Overt, will be in the news for their releases. People will be looking for more and more free open-source virtualization solutions, and FreeBSD has Beehive coming out. Google will try to address the current big issues with Android security with regard to updates across phone manufacturers. They will announce a modular solution that allows updates to the OS via the Play Store, but will also <coughs> allow carriers to keep their customizations for different types of Phones. That is a great list. That is a great list. Uh, From Jumbo the chat says, room, Chris, uh, uh, Jumba says, Jumba says, a prediction, the girl who dropped out of college because of a bunch will finally install the internet. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good, that's an old callback if you guys don't remember I that know. one. That's a good oh, one. I remember. I remember. Yeah, that was, that was really something. Uh, all right. So your predictions, why not leave them in the feedback thread for the last 398 over at linuxactionshow.reddit.com or join us on Tuesday's Linux Unplugged. I think we'll dedicate some time to that as well because I think there's a lot more ground to cover here. And uh, don't forget, in the chat room, we have the live poll going right now if we should do our wish list episode. And a lot of these uh, I have wishes for, and I would love to, uh, to expand on that. So that's all great, that's all great if uh, you're watching live. But if you're not watching live, why don't you join us next week? We're going to be at uh, noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern over at jblive.tv, and you can join us on the Linux Action Show on next Sunday and to hang out in the live chat room. All right, Noah, that's the Linux Action Show's look ahead at 2016. And that brings us to the end of this week's broadcast, but don't go anywhere yet because we still have a whole bunch of stuff to cover, including our scale plans, your feedback, format updates on the big show, and more. But first, I want to thank System76 for sponsoring this segment of the Linux Action Show. 
System76 makes really great rigs to run Linux. And Noah and I have been long-time customers of System76. And I think one of the best rigs I've ever seen come out yet, the Oryx Pro, is about to hit the market. This is such a nice machine. I got to, got to use this to set up our episode for the Linux Action Show that we shot on location at System76 not too long ago. It's actually really neat to get to meet the crew of System76, too. They're really passionate and very dedicated to building great machines to run Linux. They're really obsessive about it. They build them here in the U.S. of A, and they support them here as well. And they ship them out to you. Go to system76.com, and then when you're checking out, let them know somewhere in there know that we sent you. And see why Noah and I, whenever we can, go System76. And whenever we can, we say, go get a System76. You want a great out-of-the-box experience where you're not fighting with your hardware, not messing with drivers? You want, you want to be able to just nuke, pave, and reload whenever you want? System76 makes that really easy, regardless of what distribution. And, of course, with Ubuntu. System76.com. Go check out that Meerkat, too. That's pretty cool. System76.com. Okay, Noah. Look alive, because we got to get the info out there about scale, all right? All right. Now, uh, because we're going to be there, uh, you. so here's how Noah and I are currently planning to do our scale coverage. I'm going to show up a day or so before scale, if all goes as planned, in the rover. And... Um, I'm going to cover Ubicon and the first couple of days of scale. But because I have a couple of shows I do, I'm also going to leave um, around the 22nd of Friday evening, the 22nd. And Noah's going to be coming in on the 22nd. So we'll probably have, we're thinking maybe we'll have like a, a get together breakfast uh, on the 22nd. Uh, hang out with uh, anybody that wants to join us. We'll get a meetup set up for that at meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. And we're also and I'm orga- making waffles. And then Noah's hanging out till the end of scale, and you'll probably end up doing last live that Sunday from scale. And hopefully I'll be yep. able to make it back to the studio by then so I can be mm-hmm. at the board here. So mm-hmm. if uh, you got a couple of places to organize right now. The first one I want to plug is the semi-official official Scale 14X Jupiter Broadcasting thread in the Linux Action Show subreddit, which I have linked in the show notes and is currently stickied at the Linux Action Show subreddit. Scale is January 21st through the 24th. In the Pasadena Convention Center, we got links to that in this thread. The register link is there. Remember, you can use the promo code LAST40 to get a 40% discount. And if you'd like to organize a meetup, this is one place to do it. We plan to do a breakfast on the 22nd. We'll have a meetup page for that setup if that works out. Now, of course, all of these things are always in flex because travel is always crazy. Noah's mm-hmm. going to be flying in different times. I'm going to be on the road. So travel is always crazy. So here's some practical areas that we could use your help uh, with our scale coverage. Uh, if you are interested in just outright sponsoring the scale coverage, that would be incredible, and we could work out something uh, if it's a good fit. So email me, chris at jupiterbroadcasting.com. But what would actually be really great is, because I'm bringing the rover, I'm going to park probably, I think it looks about anywhere between 10 to 13, 14 miles away from the convention center. So if there's a listener in the area that would like to provide transportation, that would be great. Uh, I may or may not have my own vehicle to transport. Kind of working that out right now. Uh, so if you might be of inter- interested in that, uh, you have to be able to haul like a couple of people, chris at jupiterbroadcasting.com. And then also along that same vein, if you have advice on the trip from Washington to Pasadena, uh, you know, like the route to take or quick places to stop along the way to enjoy and maybe shoot some video or something like that, do a rover log. I'd love to get your ideas if you've made this trip from Washington to Pasadena, chris at jupiterbroadcasting.com. And if you're going to be there, watch for the meetup page and uh, 
check that uh, that thread we have in the subreddit and let us know. Check in there. Don't email me to just let me know. If you're just going to let me know you're there, just do it at the thread. If there's something you can specifically be involved with, then email's cool. But I'm probably going to get a lot of emails. So the last thread would be the ideal spot if you just want to check in and give a shout-out and see who else is going to be there. Uh, so go there. And uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I also, uh, we have, we've relaunched uh, the shirts at uh, teespring.com slash last 400. This will help, I'm hoping, raise some funds for our trip to scale. And if we're lucky, that last breakfast, the episode 400, bring some cameras down there. I think it would be a lot of fun. I think there's some other things we could do at scale depending on the funding. I don't want to overcommit, but if we get enough sales, that could be really great. 14 days left on that teespring.com slash last 400. And it should arrive in time for scale. So that would be really cool. That's why we did the 14-day window. And by the way, yes, there's also an EU edition, so you get better shipping, teespring.com slash last400eu. And they have a tote bag. No, look at that. They have that a tote bag. That is awesome. They have a tote bag. Let me bag. tell you something. You, nobody know, you don't know exactly how important that tote bag is until you actually get to the conference, because here's what happens at conferences. You've never been there before. You're the people I'm talking to. You're going to walk into the conference and they're going to go, welcome to the conference. Here's some stickers. And you're like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll put those in my pocket there. And then you walk a little further and they'll say, oh, here, here's, here's a conference handout. Oh, yeah. yeah, I just, I use it. Like, here, would you like a koozie? And would you like a, a cell phone holder? And w- would you like a pen? Noah, want some stickers? Noah, when we went to LinuxCon, I got a Linux Foundation tote. I use that to bring my lunch mm-hmm. back and forth to work. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's yeah. great. So uh, I, I'm going to, uh, I'm hoping, I asked Angela, and she's going to check to see if Teespring will also make that available in the U.S., because that I want so bad for scale. Uh, but they got mm-hmm. the T-shirts, the hoodies. So it's, it's uh, teespring.com slash last400 or last400eu if you're in that neck of the woods. And uh, we got the shirts, the hoodies. This would be a great way to get yourself something, so that way you can represent JB and be easy to spot. But also, uh, it's... It is actually really great clothing. I've I've bought a crap ton of these over the years because they, we really you know we really pick good stuff, uh, and it's a nice way to help us raise funds for scale. Teespring.com/slash/last400. Now, before we get to the emails, I want to talk about format updates for the big show. You might have noticed uh, you can now see when Noah isn't looking at the camera every time I switch to the to him. <laughs> Yeah, because <laughs> we're Sorry. doing video. I, gotta, a, I have to retrain myself. No, to, it's all right. To look it's all right. And take a bit. No, you know what? I don't want. I don't want us to get. I don't want us to get to our head too much about this. So uh, we've decided. Uh, you know, we're coming up on the 10th anniversary of the big show, and so we wanted to spend the that year leading up to the to the 10th anniversary um, questioning a few things just to make sure we weren't getting uh, complacent and stale. And so uh, we did a lot of different experimentation. Also, I went on the road and tried to do production from the road for the first time. And uh, I, I think at the end of it, what we've come to is it was really good to sort of reevaluate certain priorities of the show and relook at the way we formulate topics. Uh, and now that we're at the end of that sort of experiment, there's a few things that uh, we think are uh, pretty important about video. And so for us, it's worth the work. And I'm pretty happy right now we're using a Linux to Linux solution. Um, I don't think it's as good as Skype on Windows when you have an i7 machine with a, a good camera that has an H.264 encoder. And but it, it is it looks pretty darn good for running on two Linux boxes. It's widescreen video. You know, uh, the audio could be better, but all of these things can be worked on. Uh, and so we're going to start working on it again. We're going to start making that commitment. And we may from time to time fall back to Skype or maybe even a Windows solution. Uh, but to be frank with you, the the response from our audience is that that's what you guys want. And uh, I think it's best for showcasing. You know, I've I've also, uh, when I've moved into the rover, 
don't have TV service. And so I've shifted all of my media consumption, all of my video media consumption to online streaming. And uh, YouTube has been a huge part of that for me. And there's so much great content on YouTube now. And uh, I, even if it's just a couple of dudes with good hair sitting here talking, I, I think I'd like to look at it. One with a green screen and one with some nice art. Why not look at that? And it allows us to showcase things a little better. So we're going to start working on that again. So we're bringing full video support back, which... Which means when we go to events, we're going to also do video production, and we're going to bring all of that with us. Um, so it's a huge commitment for us, but we're going to do it, and we're going to try to do as much of it on Linux, and we're going to keep working it out on Linux as we can as we go along, and probably keep you guys posted. So that's uh, big change number one, is we're going back in 2016, starting from this episode forward, to full video. And the second change is we're also going back to Sunday. Um, this might not be a permanent change, like specifically in the summer, we might go back to Friday, so that way we can go camping on weekends and things like that. But uh, at least for the foreseeable future, we're bringing the show back to Sundays. Uh, we just think uh, the, the live audience is an important aspect of this show, and more people are available on Sunday than they are on Friday. And uh, so we're going back to Sundays, and we're changing the time, though. We're going to do it at 10 o'clock. I'm sorry, from, we're moving from 10 o'clock. So let me be confusing for you. We're going to move from 10 o'clock to noon Pacific, which is 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, because I live further away now, it gives me a little more time to get in here. So, yeah, that's the big changes coming. There's probably going to be more things. Uh, we are getting close to episode 400, so that's pretty exciting. And uh, so there's sister shakeups. And then I think the big party this year, I mean, 400 is a cool number, and I'm glad we're going to kind of have a celebration in person. I'm excited about that. But the big party this year is going to be the 10th anniversary. That's going to be, that's going to, we're going to have to come up with something for that. Uh, and I have a few things in the works already, so we'll see where that goes. Uh, but if you'd like to support us to get there, teespring.com slash last 400. Uh, and now that we're committing to doing full video production so that way we can showcase the shit out of this stuff, we really need you guys to commit to supporting us. Uh, and it's not just this one trip. It's going to be ongoing things. So patreon.com slash today. Uh, and there's also some exclusive videos i posting there for our supporters so there's other things other than just supporting us you also get other behind the scenes info i have one going up today uh that uh, is going to be particularly interest for those of you that have some skin in the game for jupiter broadcasting so patreon.com slash today for your long-term support and uh, for specific uh, scale support and getting us off the ground and get us going so we can bootstrap this thing teespring.com slash last 400 so any any thoughts on the time changes or video stuff no you might have some on the video stuff i think no yeah i mean i i, I um you know, I like the fact that that we uh, that we continue to reevaluate what it is the audience wants. And I just the, the only thing I want to add to that is that I want to make perfectly clear that everything is a compromise. So when we went to audio only, yes, we had to sacrifice some of the video components, but it also meant that we were able to do more on site. And when going back to video, that's not going to be a thing. So, for example, if you were listening to um, the the uh, LinuxCon episode, there's going to be nothing outside. Well, not nothing, but but a lot less of leading up to the actual event and the experience of the event and a lot more of actually at the event simply because it's just not practical to take video equipment with us everywhere we go. Now it's changing a little bit because you know we, we're starting to use the GoPros and stuff like that, but everything is a compromise. And so I just, I hope that everyone realizes that when you, when you, when you ask for certain things or when you demand certain things, you know, we do our best to provide those, but it does come at a cost uh, both financially and 
uh, at the sacrifice of other things. And so if, if we don't get financial support, if we don't have people supporting, uh, you know, the, the network, then that just means that we can't do as many events throughout the year. So I would just encourage anyone if, if you, if you, if you think that it's kind of fun to watch Netflix at nine bucks a month, then I would say maybe consider looking at Jupiter Broadcasting in kind of the same way. And you might not always agree with everything that Chris says on the air, everything that I say on the air, um, but or any, or any other host for that matter. But it's it, just like the same that you know there are some pieces of content that you like on Netflix and some you don't. But at the end of the month, you contribute ten dollars to uh, you know to keep Netflix going. I just ask that people do the same thing for us. And I want to also say you know uh, audio is still a major priority for us and. Mm-hmm. There's probably going to be because we're doing video full fledged now for both sides of us. There's there's going to be some weeks where things might be rougher than other. Uh, our goal is always to have audio sound as good as possible. So if you listen one week during uh, as we sort of land on a video solution that really works for us, and because we're a weekly show, the only way to really do this is put our best effort in to make it work as good as possible and do it live. That's kind of you got to go Bill O'Reilly on this kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. I I commit to you that if you li- if you tune in one week and the audio is below your standards, I guarantee you it's very likely also below my standards. And so mm-hmm. we are committing to making sure it sounds as good as possible. It will just be a work in progress, and uh, you know I, I think we're gonna. I think we will get there. I think. I mean, we call it the big show. It, it's in its tenth year. I think. I think we've got enough expertise and technical solutions out there to make something work. By golly! All right, no, let's get into the emails, and then we're gonna get out of here. Uh, Kevin wrote in. I think this is kind of for you with a DVD backup script. He says, "Noah, I know you're back. You back up your DVDs as ISOs. I'm pretty sure I recall you explaining in your process in a previous episode, but I can't find it. Would you? Uh, uh, what do you use to make ISO copies? Every time I try, it mostly fails. I've tried DVD backup and DD Rescue, uh, and I'm using Arch. So when I get when we, when I see things and I and I'm going to get a progressively better about reading uh, emails in their entirety and and everyone that comes in uh, this week for example all the ones for the past two weeks got read and when somebody reaches out and asks a specific question especially uh, if it's addressed uh, to somebody not just the network in general I try to respond to those as quickly as possible so I actually wrote back and I, I told him that the program I was using was Brassier and I've used it I actually got the um, the recommendation from producer Rotten Corpse and it's been great however. He wrote back and said, yeah, I tried Brasero, but it complains that it's not finding libdvdcss2, which is installed. I think there's a version problem. Then he links to a Reddit post. And he says, interestingly enough, my DVD backup script has started working this morning. I have no idea why all the errors disappeared. Maybe just something on a reboot. Anyway, here's the script. And he gives a script. And guess what? I'm actually done using Brasero. I'm going to start using this. Oh, yeah? Because... You can write this. You, I, I had, I had a little bit of help from from my bash friends, but you can write this in a way that it will it will listen for when the drive, uh, when when a new disc is inserted into the drive, and then it kicks off the script, backs up the nice. DVD, dumps it to the uh, dumps it to the NAS, and then kicks the the, the disc back out. So now I'm just going to I, I, I have a, a a very rough box built downstairs, but I'm going to formulate that into a nice uh, easy box that's going to sit somewhere upstairs. And so when I rent a movie or borrow a movie or whatever, and I want to get it onto my Western Digital so that I can watch it and then of course delete it because you wouldn't want to you know steal it but uh, I can I can put it into the drive let it back up and then uh, it'll copy over to the the Western digital and I'll be able to play it but it, it happens automatically so I asked was going to steal that jump over to Jonathan M and he asks or he writes in to tell us about businesses using Linux he says, I don't know if you still do the piece on your show where you're telling about businesses running Linux or not I've had no time to watch the show in a while but my wife and I oh yeah have a bakery. 
goodboxcupcakes.com near Raleigh, North Carolina, and we exclusively run Linux of one sort or another, usually Ubuntu LTS. Looking forward to 16.04. Yeah, me too. Save the iPad that was running our POS, soon to be switched out for an Android tablet running the same POS. There you go. There is an old laptop with a PXE boot 14.04 LTSP with a second monitor running a slideshow of our custom decorated cakes and cupcakes. We <laughs> nice. use email Twitter. <laughs> I mean, he goes on, you know, and so and it, basically his entire shop is running uh, Linux. Look, and so no, it would have been. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, even a, even a cupcake shop has a use for Linux. That's essentially what the it, message is there. <laughs> yeah, well, it is. And, and so and so he has a link to his uh, to his cupcake shops. So if anyone's ever in the area, you want to stop by and 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 give him some business for for his cupcakes. But the uh, the cool thing was, is uh, this was a guy who he basically wrote in and said, you know, I, I really appreciate the network and I really enjoy the content you put out. And it's really helped me. And here's how I'm running it on and uh, in my business. And I own a small business. My dad owns a small business. My father-in-law owns a small yeah, business. Yeah, you yeah. own a small business. Yeah. So small business is like, I love you guys. I, 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 I'm one of you guys. And I, I just, it, it, it strikes a chord anytime somebody has a small business, regardless yeah. of what operating system they're using. Yeah. I love small business. But then on top of that, this guy is doing a small business with Linux. So it looks tasty crop. too, doesn't it? Look at that. Yeah. Look at yeah. those cupcakes. I go eat a cupcake. Christmas Wait, trees I on top of those cupcakes. Christmas you know, trees, Christmas though. trees on cupcakes made with Linux taste better, right? I, I Did you know that? I have anecdotal evidence that seems to suggest that, yes. All right, Rex okay. J writes in with our last email today, and I swear this wasn't staged. He says, hi, Chris <laughs> and the wonderful crew at JB. I'm a longtime listener, about three years now, and a first-time writer. I just wanted to share my reasons for becoming a JB patron supporter. Awesome. I enjoy your show that you produce and have been benefited greatly from your sponsors. All of the information you shared on each of your shows is relevant to my world and my passions. The sponsors that you include in your show are amazing and beneficial. It's amazing. Thank you, Rex. Thank you. I should like, this should be like a testimony on our website. He says, I ditched my old cell phone provider, moved to Ting. Uh, he, says, he says that uh, his bill was around 70 and now is between 30 and 40. Now I'm in the Colorado area. So he's going to go check out System76, I think. He says, I'm very excited with System76 and the prospects of purchasing the terrific machines. Uh, but he says, my last success so far was with Linux Academy. That's amazing as well. He says, uh, this is a great story. He says, uh, he has a, well, I don't know if I want to go into all of this, but uh, he says, I, I recently went and got a job interview in Denver for a large tech security company and thought there was no way I would have enough education or experience to land the Linux sysadmin job. I went through the technical portion of the interview and got slammed with complex Linux questions that I would have been lost if it wasn't for Linux Academy. Wow, I should send this off to Linux Academy, too. They love hearing that stuff. Rex, you should let them know, too. Linux Academy loves to hear that. He says, I just want to share my successes, and hopefully my story will encourage other listeners like me to support your awesome content. Please keep up the enthusiasm and the passion. That's why I listen every day. P.S. Linux Mint 17.3 has beat out Arch as my go-to distro. is now on all my machines. Yes! 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 <laughs> Thanks for the review of the distribution. <laughs> Rex, that really makes me feel great. Thanks. Uh, it makes me feel great, too. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. You can email <laughs> us. Go over to uh, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact and choose Linux Action Show from the dropdown. Or you can start a thread, linuxactionshow.reddit.com. All right, Noah, let's check in with the poll and see if we're doing our wish list episode. I hope so, because I've got some good ones. Okay, it was here we at go. 84% last time. I think the chances of it not... Yeah, no, here not, we go. We got it. It's a solid uh, 84%. Now, some people had trouble with the URL, so we only got 62 votes, because uh, they're like their dupe, prote dupe protections kicking in. Uh, but they, uh, I, we asked, want to see an episode dedicated to what we hope and want to see in Linux land for 2016. And let's hear it. Wave Your Magic Wands has 84% of the vote. So we will do it. Now, is it are you up for that next week? Heck can, yeah. Can you handle that? You can handle that? All right. Because I got some good ones. So you better. Listen, you... Chris, Chris, 
it does not take a whole lot of planning for me to have to wish for things. <laughs> you want things. I was born to wish things yeah. on Linux. I've been wishing for things on Linux for the last 20 years. Yeah, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, all right, so uh, that's going to bring us to the end of uh, this week's episode of the Linux Action Show. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in live. Don't forget, new live time next week over jblive.tv, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. Please show up and, and, you know, see how it is if you haven't been to a show for a while. It's hours of content, uh, and it's a lot of fun. I started really early this morning. So uh, we'd love to have you here, and uh, we'll try this new time slot for a while and see how it works for everybody, and uh, love to have your participation. No, anywhere you want to send folks throughout the week. Twitter. I've been. I, I oh, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do it right now. I'm do gonna it. do it on. The, can I do it on the air? What I'm do you gonna do it right now on the air. Taking right. your pants off or what? What are we talking about? On Twitter, pants? No, oh. no, no, no. You never wear pants no, on not, Twitter. I'm not gonna do that. All no. right, here. I'm gonna tweet. Here's what I'm gonna tweet. I took pictures of the most egregious thing I have. Se- I'll, sh- I'll show you the worst thing I've seen all week. Okay, are you ready? All right. Yeah. I'm gonna tweet it right now okay. on the air. It's all gonna right. happen. Okay. And this guy. So basically, they were running these network cables the original guys, and they're like, huh, we only have one run to run from this room to that room. Well, uh, what should we do about that? Well, uh, maybe we should just put two jacks on one cable and plug two computers into it and call it good. Like, you can't do that. And networking cable isn't that expensive. You can afford to run two runs if you need two computers. That's live on Twitter. And if you're following me at Kernel Linux, you would see that. Wow, wow. That is... uh... That is quite the tease. Look at that. Uh, that is uh, yikes. At, That's ridiculous. At Colonel Linux, go find him. <laughs> I was gonna follow your lead and tweet something embarrassing, but uh, it's too embarrassing. That's not a, I didn't do that. It was somebody else. I did. Yeah, I know. Mess. I was gonna. I was gonna incriminate myself. Just go follow me at Chris Les, which will be helpful too, <laughs> as uh, scale approaches. Yeah, that is. Whew. I was gonna post uh, the. Never mind. I'm not even gonna say what I was gonna post. But uh, if you wanted something that we didn't talk about covered in this show, you can suggest it over at linuxactionshow.reddit.com. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning this week's episode of the Linux Action Show, and we'll see you right back here next week. Do you know what that is, there, Noah? Can you do you recognize that? Do you? Uh, rec- uh, look, it looks like uh, you you were finger painting. Finger painting, huh? Is that what that looks like to you? Take another look. Does that is that is that a little more looks obvious? Like stars. There's stars, Chris. I see stars. I see, I see, I see our fathers in the sky, or fireflies. What's the temperature in Grand Forks, North Dakota? In that big bluish black thing. It's 18 degrees in Grand Forks right now. 18 degrees. So you drove from home to your studio <laughs> in 18 degree weather. Is that correct? This, that was, dude, that was nothing. Go look at the path. I know, I have been. Just before, yeah. it was like, dude, it was like three below. It was ridiculous. I don't, I, I honestly, <laughs> I honestly, so here's, here's the thing is like, so I'm going to complain for a little bit and I'm just going to fully acknowledge okay. it's, it's, it's like 20, 25 degrees here. Okay. So it's not, okay. All right. it's not nearly that cold, but so okay. the Rover has been struggling in the extreme cold weather. And so I have a. I have this water filter here. Can you see my screen there? I have this water filter yep. that's hooked up to the uh, water supply. And uh-huh. I've been meaning to disconnect it, uh, but I didn't get a chance to disconnect it before the last week. And so, uh-huh. if you, uh, here, I'll, I'll pan around. I got the, I got a little video I took here. All right, I'm going to turn the water on. And look at that. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, isn't that nice? This is right out the it, it comes with a built-in water sprinkler. Isn't that a shame? Yeah, so that that is the beginning of my problem. The other problem is the entire hose got frozen. So I got this uh, I got this heated wrapped hose. The heated hose is now hooked up. That's okay. The little glowing light is down there, and this whole thing is wrapped all the way around, and we have it running into the side of the rover over there. That hopefully, yeah, that's my breath there. That hopefully 
will stay nice and warm all night long until we have water. I'm filling the uh, the tank right now just in case it still doesn't work because what I suspect will happen is this metal pipe here, which I don't have wrapping for yet, it's on order, I have heat tape on order, I suspect this pipe here will start to freeze. So even though the hose will be plenty fine, I think tonight this is going to be our issue and uh, well, that's why I'm filling the tank. Thankfully, the tank seems to be close enough to the heat source inside the rig that uh, it doesn't freeze. Yeah, I'm really happy Jayco ran all of the water hosing inside the rig. So our, yeah. our actual hoses haven't froze yet. But yeah, sure. so the metal on this froze last night. So we don't have any water coming in. So I, I have water. I have about 25 gallons to go off of in the freshwater tank. But this has been an ongoing issue because it just isn't getting above freezing. So I don't know how the hell you survive in a world where it's that cold for that long. Well, it's crazy. So I, first of all, we don't camp. We don't have, nobody lives in RVs here. I mean, you don't just don't do that. Yeah. You're in a house yeah. and in the house you have a heater and all the piping is six feet underground and on six feet underground, it's perfectly warm. So, uh, yeah, but you that's, gotta that's go, you, you gotta go like you, you gotta go from like, uh, inside to outside. So inside where it's 70 degrees, then you step outside where it's like eight degrees yeah. <laughs> and we're talking Fahrenheit you, here. You so for it. Thank you dress for it. I, I, I tell you what, next week, cause we have video back now next week, I will come in my North Dakota apparel. I'll show you how I dress when it's, I'll be honest with you three below. I probably still don't bother breaking this out, but you get down to like 25, 30 below. I'll show you how I dress 30 we'll below. And check this yeah. out. I got one of those uh, laser projector dot things, so I, I project dots all over the side of the rover. It's super cool. It's really, it's, 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 ma it's major hip. Uh, this is my filming gear for last night. Do you like that? I got an LED light uh, strap for my head. And then, <laughs> yeah, that was my, that was my gear for last night to get that, to film okay. that. Right. So by all the way, right. this was, uh, this was a Grand, these were Grand Forks uh, weather cameras. That's what I was oh. showing. Yeah, those are weather oh, cameras okay. from Grand Forks showing oh. your conditions. What, what are they showing? I uh, I don't know. <laughs> Nothing, because they're so frozen over. This is the Grand Forks County Courthouse right here, and this is also okay. another shot of the courthouse. <laughs> it's just, yeah, they're just, just like, like they're a totally black picture frozen. with some yeah. <laughs> blue and green in it. It's no good. It's no good. Yeah, the fact I remember to show up today is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> the the, what was uh, I, I, uh, we were, I was I was in the car. Okay, there's actually two funny stories that go with this. So, so the first is. I forget everything. And I forgot what the first one I was going to tell you. The second one was, so we hired this, we, we have a couple guys that come on during, uh, during the, during the low, which was well, supposed to be a low anyway, in November and December. <laughs> yeah. And we do all of like our wiring projects because yeah. that's stuff that, yep, yep. you know, doesn't require a lay, you know, you can do whatever. And so to do that, we bring on, you bring on some guys that they understand networking at a very, very high level. Like, you know, the cables have to be connected to work. They know how to test them. They know how to punch down plates. And we do check every single Jack, which all you network people should be doing because every time I have to follow you, one of you, one of you guys in there one of the 70 jacks doesn't work or like seven and they're all random and then there's some weird problem that you probably knew when you ran the wire but you didn't bother to fix it you so uh we're we in and and we you know we gave them you know uh, ubuntu laptops and 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 they're using them and kind of getting used to them and we're we're driving in the jeep and of course i have i have matei on, on my on the on the laptop that's of course in the of jeep. course and he sits down and he looks over and he's like huh ubuntu mate it's like the Australian edition of Ubuntu then? <laughs> like, well, yeah, I guess. You know, that's not a horrible... Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, you know. M-A-T-E would be mate. And if you attach mate to the end of Ubuntu, you would, <laughs> I suppose, Ubuntu mate. But I'm like... It's Ubuntu, mate. I yeah, I guess. Here's, here, here's, here's my... Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I bought a treadmill because I'm like, 
I need to, I need to get exercise. I, I work in IT. I sit around too much. I need to get exercise. So I go and I, I research the hell out of, out of treadmills and I go into, uh, and I find out that I don't want a treadmill. I find that I, I really should be buying a stair stepper because they're better in your knees, blah, blah, blah. So I go into Sears and I buy the world's best stair stepper that money can buy. And I bring, and I have them delivered and bring it home and I don't like it. I don't like yeah. it at all. It doesn't work very well. And yeah. so I call the company and the company at Nordatrack, they were great about it. They're like, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, we're really sorry. Um, pick out anything else you want and we'll, we'll send it to you. So they send me this treadmill and I say, all right, well, how do you want to come pick up the stair stepper? And they're like, yeah, it's too expensive to ship back. So you can just keep it. No so, way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was, it, the reason I didn't like it was because it was like, it was, it was like wobbly and they said it wasn't supposed to be like that. So they, they were calling it defective. I don't think it was defective. I think that's the way they all are, though, because I was looking at how it's put together and that's just it. So then we have a stair stepper and a treadmill and I, we didn't have to pay for it. So I was really super happy at the company. But here's the bottom line. I get the treadmill, which, by the way, was a phenomenal treadmill. But all it, I went on it like one time. And ever since then, it has been relegated to storing laptops and extra uh, computer parts that like because it's it's big and long. So I lay like stuff out on it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. Know yeah, that's the thing. That's always the thing. That is always the thing. <laughs> no, I would not waste my money on a gym membership because I know what that would involve. You, I, I would, I would go there just to play with the little RFID reader and see how that's wired, and then that'd be the end of my gym experience. <laughs> I would never go in and actually do anything. Maybe if they had free Wi-Fi, I'd stop there and use free Wi-Fi if I was out of town.